Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is The Mandalorian Report. Boom! I forget if I do sounds for this show, or is it just Bad Batch? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> this is the way. There we go. You definitely up. do sounds for both shows, and uh, and that was great. That was yet another great uh, sort of uh, almost a layer for a dance track yes. with a little bit of dialogue dropped in. Uh, it reminds me of like there, there's a, a weird uh, 
mix of a J- of the James Bond theme from 1997, where it's like a little bit more electronic dancing, techno-y, and then every once in a while, uh, what is very clearly an audio clip from James Bond goes, Bond, <laughs> James Bond. And the way you said, this is the way, it was like it's a Din and Bo-Katan's dance version. There we go. This is the way. This is the way. Beat, drop. This is the way. Add in Bo-Katan's, this is the way. Yeah, there you go. This is the way. Add in Grogu perhaps trying to gurgle. This is the oh, way. We're getting closer to that. <laughs> uh, but then the song suddenly changes to an entirely different but equally fascinating mood as we get into the lush, ambivalent strings of the indie drama of Dr. Pershing. Uh, <laughs> this one was a great surprise. Uh, we shouldn't even be surprised anymore because surprises are to be expected in the Mandoverse. We are excited to dive into it. Uh, before we do, we want to do a quick plug. We know uh, this is the episode where we get a few more ears, a few more eyes uh, watching the waveforms dance on YouTube. Uh, so we do want to let you know that we are doing a big push for our Patreon. Uh, we have looked at our history as a podcast, as a YouTube channel, and realized Patreon is really where we get the most consistent support to keep us going. So we are trying to build that up. We've got a couple exciting things coming. Uh, we are doing an Indiana Jones podcast called Indiana Jones in the Perilous Podcasts. Uh, that is going to be available first on Patreon. Then once Dial of Destiny comes out in the summer, we'll make those ava- uh, episodes available publicly. But if you want to jump into the Indiana Jones journey now uh, you can join us in our first episode which we recorded and it's long and i enjoyed the hell out of it <laughs> mm-hmm. that is going to be up on our patreon on monday march 20th so if you want to check that out and see if it's for you you can go to patreon.com slash force center and check out all the rewards and goals and all those things and if it's not for you well that is totally fine and understandable that is your way uh it's amazing how quickly the the cool mandalorian phrase this is the way can turn into a burger king commercial if you change (laughs) just a few words uh, I want it. I want it to my way. Both flame grilled and dark savories. <laughs> flame grilled. This is mm. the way. All right. We have got through the ramble at the intro. We're going to go into this really fascinating episode, chapter nineteen, the third episode of season three, but overall chapter nineteen, entitled "The Convert." Written by Noah Clure and John Favreau. Directed by Lee Isaac Chung. Uh, this is exciting because there are some uh, newer names, kind of. Uh, Noah Clure uh, has been a, a writing partner, assistant, uh, I, I would say Padawan, it seems, of John Favreau. And have been in the credits a lot. Did a lot of work on Book of Boba Fett, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hey, the, Lee Isaac Chung. Eh, it might be a new name to Star Wars, but, you know... It, Pretty, pretty, pretty impressive resume there. Uh, his film Minari was nominated for multiple Academy Awards, and here he is working in Star Wars. Do you have any reaction to those credits, Ken? Uh, I, I love, like we always say, I love when uh, an established name uh, meets a bigger audience that maybe is not familiar. That's sometimes how this works, right? Uh, you, you got a small YouTube channel, then you go to appear in a big one, and everyone goes, who is this person that's been around for 25 years? Uh, so I love that, and yeah, Noah Clore, uh, the, the from the writer's assistant taking notes in a room to co-producing, socio-producing, writing episodes, that's, uh, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, on a good path there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this episode, we always like to look at the length, and this is fascinating, because this yeah. episode is about 53 minutes of actual storytelling. This is Technically, the longest episode of The Mandalorian, just beating out Chapter 9, The Marshal. This was a long, 
uh, thematically complex, dense with intriguing uh, canon <laughs> mentions and questions. This was a big, long episode of The Mandalorian. So what was your viewing experience? What prep did you do? When and how did you watch it? All that. Uh, midnight showing for me and the anticipation was building. I was really excited coming off the uh, big episode last week and the uh, cliffhanger, right? We, we pretty much uh, figured we we're going to pick up right where we left off. So I was getting excited, busy as always, but you know, had about 15 minutes to sit down and wait. Saw Phil Showstack tweet out, uh, basically it's a doozy. And I thought, Oh, here we go. Uh, and I don't think that ended up being wrong. It was just maybe a different kind of doozy. Uh, then when I, I sat down, popped up again uh, a little early for those uh, who know, you know, about 1150, my time, it popped up. I uh, saw so it was 58 minutes, including credits. And I went, yes, this is going to be a doozy. Then about halfway through the episode, I went 58 minutes. Wow. Okay. We're still gone. Um, not negative, not negative, just a different vibe. Uh, so that was my uh, prep. Uh, no, no drink, no photos, no pictures. You, you do such a great job with that. I had uh, two chihuahuas and uh, a glass of water. And I was ready to go. <laughs> well, that sounds like a, a lovely viewing experience, two chihuahuas in a glass of water. A different kind of doozy feels like that should be the name of an episode of uh, The Clone Wars, maybe around yeah. season four. A different kind of doozy. Maybe Gascon in a different kind of doozy. Uh, I mean, I mean that with love towards mm -hmm. old Niebuhr and the Clone Wars. Uh, yeah, this is this was a really different experience for me. And I, and I want to be honest in, in case it didn't sort of impacts my vibe in any way. Um, so uh, my, my wife uh, needed to uh, head to be with her parents uh, for a little while. Um, so I, I absolutely did need to take her to the airport. Uh, but if you're not from the Los Angeles area, even in the middle of the night, <laughs> if you live in Hollywood, it's about an hour drive. Uh, and in the rain, I basically, uh, you know, drove through uh, Blade Runner twice. <laughs> yeah. uh, it takes about two hours. Uh, so I, I had the, the great Mandalorian midnight experience that I love. I wanted to stay up. Um, I poured myself one whiskey. I took my photo with action figures and drinks like I always do. And, and I just got a couple new din jarns this week. So I was like, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to put a bunch of din jarns up. And I had like three din jarns, <laughs> which then was really funny in the episode. We're like, I, I think I had more din jarn on my coffee table than uh, this episode, uh, which, you know, not, I'm not criticizing. I think that this is the way uh, of the Mandoverse. But it amused me. So then I, I wrote up like about half my notes like I always do. Uh, then I took my wife to, to uh, the airport, uh, had fun driving slowly and carefully, but pretending I was being chased by tie interceptors. Uh, got home, finished my notes. And then by the time I went to bed, I had been up for 24 hours straight. <laughs> then took a three hour nap. And now it's time to talk the Mandalorian. So it's a great experience. But in some ways, uh, it, it almost like... Uh, it, it almost enhanced the experience. Like, you know, you can go to those, uh, those, uh, cinema experiences where the shared shakes, shakes you and, and blasts you with mist. I feel like emotionally <laughs> yeah. I, I have gone through the visceral experience of, uh, of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was a ride. It was a ride. Well, let's get into that then. Cause I, I'm so curious to hear what your thoughts are. I've, I've already seen a couple of people, uh, you know, be challenged by, uh, the similar thing that happened in Book of Boba Fett, where uh, the show pivoted to spending more time uh, with a different character. And I've seen some people who are over the moon about it. Love it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
so there is the 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 discussion to be had about the actual content, but then also like how you adjust to the left turn and do those things work together for you, all that stuff. So what was your overall reaction? Love it? Like it? Uh, <laughs> did you struggle with the doozy? Uh, I, I, hmm, no, no. Yes. Sir. Here, I'll start here. I, I, you could, you cannot say that I disliked the episode. I, 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 that's, that would be false to claim that about me or for me to claim that about myself. I really liked it. I really liked what I saw. I really liked what it was, um, making me feel i'll say right now when we dive into themes i don't have as many specific thoughts on themes as maybe i try to do or <laughs> try to keep with the show there's a lot of questions i have and a lot of just um um gray area not in terms of characters but just like where am i and where i'm going and what is this episode trying to say and i actually really love that i also love that we're in this um this season and this third episode Reminds us that, oh, yeah, if you thought this entire episode was going to, or entire season was going to be Mando going to, to the living waters to return to being a Mandalorian, or he's got to go get IG 11 parts for three weeks, all that stuff that maybe <laughs> the previous years t- uh, thought, you know, taught you about the show or made, made you think that. We're, we're in uncharted territory, and I absolutely love that. Uh, I have more uh, what is going to happen next questions, and I normally don't have that. Normally, I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure, people ask me, what do you think is going to happen on the show this week? I don't know. I'll watch. I'll watch at midnight next week, and I'll tell you what's on the show. I don't ever get lost in what's coming next. I am now wonderfully lost in it. That's a good feeling, and so I like that. Um, we're going to talk about the details, but but spending time at Coruscant was a dream. I love that. Love the way it looks. Some of the best-looking stuff in this show so far. Uh, I, I, the way I'm trying to describe it before I pass the ball back to you here, I was, we love talking music and referencing that. I, I started my career as a rock DJ. This episode was like when you put on one of my favorite bands, Oasis, Live Forever, and then the next song is from Radiohead's OK Computer. <laughs> They're both 90s Brit rock. They're both uh, very good <laughs> at what they do. Sometimes they don't pair, to we- pair together well in a song set on a radio station and it, you risk that change of pace, that change of tone. You, you risk losing some folks. And then you throw in, uh, you know, maybe a, a you know, song two from blur at the end. <laughs> and it's like, it, 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 I understand. And it kind of, the tonal shift, even though once you kind of pick up on what, what's going on about mm-hmm. five minutes and you go, Oh, I think this is a Dr. Pershing, uh, Elliot Kane episode. Great. Uh, it, you could still go, but man, I'm still tapping my toe to, to live forever. And, and I want to go back to singing that. And I totally get that. And, and, and I think I'm living in that too, even a couple of viewings in, uh, we're going to discuss what's there. Uh, and I think that's okay. And, and I love, I love that good old Johnny Favs has done this. He's done this, his whole career, better or worse. Maybe sometimes you think it's worse. Sometimes you think it's better. Uh, he, he, he's an artist who, who knows what he wants to do. And, and, and the scope of the show expanding is something I enjoy. Yeah, I, I really like your analogy. Um, I, I, I tapped out of some of uh, 90s music uh, as I became obsessed with Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr., uh, but I think I understand all the references. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, now, this now I could compare it to a couple different cake songs, right? I mean, yeah. the, I know yeah. cake. So anyway, um, I, I really agree with you on, on a lot of it. I really, really liked the episode. I think uh, we'll talk in more details about the big ideas because I did have a lot of thematic thoughts. I think that's what spoke to me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, this episode seemed to be about uh, the dark side of change and the difficulty of change mm-hmm. after a couple of episodes where there was a little bit more forward movement and, and we were spending time with people who really wanted to change, who were pushing for change. This was like, uh, the, the difficulty of change. Um, 
I also thought it was really interesting that um, the Mandoverse, it felt like by spending this time not just with Dr. Pershing, but spending this time on Coruscant and spending this time really digging into and questioning the New Republic. Uh, of it. What, is it, what are its successes? What are its failures? And kind of just throwing, throwing a lot out there. And I don't think necessarily, in my opinion, making concrete statements of like, I don't think this one episode alone is like, this is how the New Republic failed. This is why they didn't respond to the threat of the First Order better. Like, it's just staking the claim, in my opinion. The Mandoverse is staking the claim to the story of this era, this time period. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most exciting things to me about it. We'll talk about canon and connections and mm-hmm. analysis of government. But in terms of the Star Wars of it, uh, it's exploded out from Din's this this one lonely Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. We kind of knew it was exploding out into, well, now he's got this responsibility maybe to be a leader of all of Mandalore. Mandalore. Can they return physically to Mandalore? But spending this much time in this world this was about getting to know Dr. Pershing, but this was also kind of Dr. Pershing as our, is our tour guide into mm. these perspectives that we've heard a little bit from grief. We've heard a little bit from Mayfeld. We've heard a little bit from Carson Teva. And now we're diving in and saying, this is a part of what this show or these shows in the Mandoverse are about is examining the totality of this era. Yeah. Staking a claim on that is a beautiful way to describe it. There was one little brief little moment where Pershing makes the, yeah, well, it's different than the Outer Rim. And it's like, yeah, the, 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 this is. And that's why it maybe feels so different. But I thought it was it was valuable to go and revisit some of the the show's themes in, in, in the center of the galaxy where a lot of people don't feel maybe affected by it, which is, uh, you know, raises some questions. And I really agree with you there. It's It's poking at times, it seems, at the New Republic, but I don't think it's coming down on one side or the other or something like that yet. We'll see where the show goes. But I have yeah. some questions about what it was trying to say about the New Republic. Me too. So I, I look forward to, to digging deep into those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in terms of just overall reaction, one of the things that I, I really liked and resonated with me is I did feel like Pershing and Bo-Katan's stories worked together and were talking to one another. And, and mm-hmm. I really like that mm-hmm. uh, thematically. Uh, but to your great rock song dj analogy i i did feel like a little bit of the the push pull it's not that you know i i haven't really been i i really wasn't that challenged by the book of boba fett personally um same same by by pivoting to din and pivoting to to grogu uh i i missed when i sat down it's like i can't wait to spend some time with boba fett and 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 fennec shand and like oh okay but i gotta spend some time here yeah. This was a little bit different for me because it started exactly uh, off the cliffhanger with the mythosaur getting into the, the mystery of Bo-Katan's intentions. And then a gauntlet fighter in an <laughs> N1 fight tie interceptors in one of the most just thrilling and awesome uh, yeah. fighter battles we've seen in a long time. And it just got my blood pumping for epic Star Wars action thriller the characters we know oh he's taking her to to the covert right and like oh it's gonna be Bo-Katan not face to face helmet to helmet (laughs) with the armor here we go and then like you're saying and then suddenly like let's bring it down for a moment into an intense politically tinged indie drama with a character you really don't know at all he's been around but technically 
you know nothing about him. Let's find out who he is. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, what's that? It's a danger. You know, coming up next, Karma Police Radiohead. Sorry, you're still <laughs> singing along to live forever. You got something different. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. And I'm and I'm kind of poking fun at it, but but it, it is a dramatic, dramatic tonal shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all did work together. And in a way, I don't think this was necessarily the intention, but in a way, it, it kind of worked to make me feel what Pershing did. I didn't feel a strong emotional connection to Pershing because he he's, hasn't been the focus. Yeah. We've seen little hints of who he might be, of, of mm-hmm. you know, he he really seemed like he did not want to hurt Grogu. He wanted to get what right. he needed to out of Grogu, right? Correct. Um, all, all these things. We've seen little flashes of who he might be, but I'm not super invested in him because I don't know him yet. Uh, so going from this thrilling Mandalorian story of this is exactly what we've been waiting for, the, the, the mythosaur and the conflict of beliefs, um, in going to Pershing's quieter world kind of made me feel what Pershing did, which was anxious, <laughs> uh, a little trapped, eager to get back into the life in the world that I knew and, the larger galaxy, which sounds like I'm making a joke at, at the show's expense, but in a way it kind of worked because it, mm. it did make me feel what Pershing felt. Yeah. No, I think that was effective. That There's a lot of tension in every scene for me in his, in his run of story. Uh, a lot of tension uh, that, that I think just kept continuing to build. And it's not just about, Hey, what's going to happen around the corner? Just what is he feeling? How is he being treated? Who's telling the truth? Like I, that, 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 that we'll get into the details, but when he, when he first meets all the, all the folks there at the, the, uh, the amnesty, uh, uh, you know, break room, uh, <laughs> the picnic table, I was like, I don't believe any of them, but I, I, I wait, maybe able, it does a lot of inherent tension because he's unsettled. I yeah, no, absolutely. He's extremely effective, extremely effective. And, and then extremely engaging because it is telling this, this, you know, it's going bigger and digging deeper at the same time with the new Republic and this era. And, uh, it was amazing to see the lore come together in meaningful ways, right? It, mm. There's some things that are just like, that's a fun reference, right? Um, yeah. And that's fun when there is a fun reference. Um, but these were essential and important connections to the story that Bad Batch is telling about a different era. There's some serious uh, poetry at rhymes of uh, uh, how two different governments are restarting after a war of obviously huge connections to Andor feeling a little bit more of that lived in day to day life on Coruscant. Um, if people have been reading books, everything from bloodline to alphabet squadron to aftermath, there's just so much that has been a, a world building in the story of this era and in the story of the new Republic, uh, that we get to see on screen, uh, yeah. it, that really made it all feel just makes the galaxy feel cohesive and poetic the struggles rhyme so i really love that stuff i thought that was spiritually connected to to alphabet squadron in, in a pretty strong way um not maybe not super intentional i don't i don't know you know i'm not i don't i'm not gonna assume johnny fabs has read alphabet squadron but no clore might have like it's just a lot you know it just the vibe was there and i love that actually there was a real real sense of we know what has already been discussed about this era and we are exploring that even further. Right. Yes. yes. I think that, and, and that's, what's important. It's not like, you know, on, on what exact star date was Ben Solo born. It's not right. that right. <laughs> sort of pedantic canon. It's yeah. the, what, what is the new Republic trying to do? Are they succeeding? What is it like mm-hmm. to be an Imperial in, that so much alphabet squadron stuff there, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so let's let's get into some of the details then, unless you have any other overall thoughts. Uh, no, no. Let's dive in. Let's figure this out. All right. So we're going to talk the big themes of this episode, the ideas that are at stake. Uh, Ken, I, I want to start here. Uh, <laughs> talked about it a, a little bit that I think the whole show of The Mandalorian has been about change, right? The mm-hmm. first episode, he has this massive change by encountering Grogu and driven out of his comfort zone, makes connections to new people, all those things. Uh, but this season in particular has also set up a, a big theme of change. You know, going back to the previous seasons, you know, Quill's lessons about uh, it, people can change, droids can change, seeing all of Din's growth, uh, Grief's ongoing efforts on Navarro, but all that's been really highlighted uh, this season. I feel like last episode in particular, The Minds of Mandalore, we talked a lot about being all about rebirth in a beautiful and inspiring way of we can start again. Uh, we can re-examine old beliefs and find new meaning in them. Uh, so I, I felt like there's almost been like a little bit of this great energy of F yeah, change. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some people are going to try to drag us back like the, the pirates on Navarro, but grief's there to fight them. And, you yeah. know, Din's, it, Din's moving forward with some new ideas as well as maybe being dragged back a little bit. And I really felt like if change is the main idea of the season, this episode examines the dark, the murky, the difficult parts of change and some characters who maybe fail at change. I think that was the biggest thing to me that made me feel like these stories of Pershing and Bo-Katan are connected. Uh, I thought about it as a, a theme of can you escape your own past? Right. And I, I think Pershing and Bo-Katan both are kind of tempted back into their own questionable past. Mm-hmm. Um, Pershing can't let go of his research, uh, his ego, his identity, his sense of purpose are wrapped up in it. Uh, he misses the life that he knew, everything from the bland rations, you know, yeah. Yeah. to uh, almost a sense that even though he made that joke at the expense of the Outer Rim, it's more like he, he feels like somebody who's been living rough for a long time. So when he's allowed to live in a slightly cleaner, safer place, it feels wrong to him. Uh, there's so much that's pulling him, him back uh, to what he knew that he, he can't enjoy <laughs> the safety, the amenities, the, the culture, of course, not should be great, but it's just alienating to him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he's really getting drawn back to his past. And then I, I think with Bo-Katan, it's, it's a, a little bit of a lighter touch and a little bit more complicated but it's it's this moment of rebirth, I think, at the end of the Minds of Mandalore that mm-hmm. the mythosaur is real. These are not stories for children. My my belief that that Mandalore could be great again could be <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to phrase it that way. That Mandalore could be powerful again. And mm-hmm. and and there there is meaning in our beliefs is is powerful. But then we got this real mystery of kind of what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. How is she responding to that discovery? Uh, uh, what does she want out of the mythosaur? The fact that her home is destroyed sets her up to be tempted by anger, tempted by vengeance, uh, tempted by a, a lust for power via the mythosaur. You know, is yeah. she is she at the very end of the episode staring at that uh, symbol, that the wall statue uh, sculpture of the mythosaur going, but I know where the real one is. I'll take the covert. I'll take you, Armor. I'll take Mandalore. I'll make the Empire pay. All of that, I think, is 
intriguing and, and works really well in the show because it's talking about old ways. I think it's even more powerful if you're familiar with her past as a member of Death Watch. Mm-hmm. Children of the Watch are clearly connected to the Death Watch. So basically what we're watching is everybody everybody welcoming her to a community, patting her on the back. But at the same time, what we know is she just rejoined a version of the cult that she was a part of that made horrible choices and helped get her own sister killed. Yeah. So they're both, it's the story of two people, I think, kind of moving back potentially into their past. What do you think about uh, that way of viewing the way their stories are connected? Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to look at it. The idea of, um, you know, choice and second chances are at the heart of this episode, but but the, the big question is, can you change your heart and maybe why and, and what are you getting out of it? And the stuff I, I think I love more than anything, the Persian stuff is solid and, and, and all the way through. I I love that Bo-Katan, we don't see her face. We don't see Katie's face right now. We just see what we think we, what, almost what we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's like, what, what I, I, I exactly what we talked about last week, these stories might be true. There's power in them. There's purpose in them. And what's my, what's my place in that now that I know this? Is, is she holding on to that power for herself? Did you see anything? You didn't. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did. What am I going to do with that? What do I want? Um, and, and, you know, you know, slappy bath time over here is just happy. He's a Mandalorian again. He doesn't want to do this. Okay. Cool. I'll invite him for dinner. I know he won't do that because his helmet doesn't come off. Um, and then at that end, it's like, yeah, everyone's, you know, oh, am I, this is my questions coming. I'm like, am I thinking, is she like these gullible fools? I got them. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to take everything you said, take the dark, dark saber. I, I am the power. You know, is that, is that, is this, uh, is she seeing almost a sword in the, in, in the lake here? The lady in the lake's giving her a sword of, of, of I saw, oh, I saw that. That's my purpose. Uh, I, I can reclaim what was mine. I can go back to my past, like you said. And then you ask the question of, of can you change your heart? Can you do it with a different heart? Why are you doing it? Um, do you have her on that shelf? Uh, I love it. I love the choice to not see her face because it's just so blank. But the other side, you, you spend all the episodes staring at Pershing's face and you read his emotions and, and this question that comes up a lot of, of helping the New Republic, right? Helping the New Republic any way I can. Don't you want to help? Don't you want to help? And I believed him, but I but the ties to the past and the slow trust game that Caden plays with him, right? Mm-hmm. Everything she does and says, if you go back and watch the episode from the time they start interacting, is this pulling him slowly forward, right? Everything is his trust. I call this the ballad of Imperial travel biscuits (laughs) uh, and throwing the past, but wasn't this good? No, no, you're just trying to help. You're just trying to help. So both these characters are kind of in the same spot, even though they're approaching the same way uh, for me of, of, of wanting to move forward. That idea seems right. Um, But they can't quite shake what's there before. They can't quite, quite shake what's in their heart. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you. It is such it's I I think you feel it emotionally on the first viewing uh, mm-hmm. that that Kane is manipulating Pershing, but watching it again and and seeing the beat by beat trying to give yeah. him what what she thinks he needs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there is some some similarity to Bo Katan. Of Bo Katan has been alone with her droids and you know her sweatpants yeah. depression throne. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, after everybody that she thought was with her abandoned her, right? Yes. And and she's being welcomed back, and maybe that feels a little good, but but I think she probably also knows it's it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think for me that with with Bo Katan and not yet knowing 
her motivations. I'm I'm having some fun spiraling out. I'm not saying that this is clear in the in the episode that she's going to get vengeance. I think we're we're being asked to go like, well, hey, this is what happens when you put your helmet on. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, all the time. You maybe get a little cut off, uh, and and we don't know what you're thinking. Uh, I feel like where the story might be heading is there's a vision of the mythosaur that Queel would spin that Mm. this is a symbol of what you can accomplish Mm. with patience and strength Mm -hmm. and confidence. Mm. You can work with the mythosaur. You can learn that to, to have it trust you and have you trust it. And you can be one with the symbol of your planet. That's the happy legend he's telling Din it, when he's trying to get Din to stop grumbling about <laughs> learning to ride a blurg, there's the vision of the mythosaur of like th- that this is a positive challenge. She becomes one with the mythosaur, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, metaphorically brings that back to her people and says, this is a symbol of what we can all do together. This is a symbol of what good strength is. Let's mm-hmm. let's come together and let's remember our strength. And the, the kind of things that that her sister preached in that Bo-Katan at times is leader of Mandalore preached of like, not, not always, always saying we're in conflict with one another and might makes right, but more stronger together. That's the true symbol of the mythosaur. That's the true, true power of Mandalore. And it feels like that good version of what the mythosaur could be is, is crumbling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is is somebody who thinks is Bo-Katan knows that the armor thinks it's her fault. Mandalore fell. And yes. and this this person, the armorer, isn't just welcoming her back to the fold. She is infantilizing Bo-Katan of mm. you're back in the in in my covert mm. following mm. My, rules. my rules. Welcome. <laughs> you know? This is it, the way. <laughs> th- this is the way, but it is also my way, you know? Yeah. Um so I think there there's a lot of of, of tension there of just like uh, Pershing being uh, emotionally seduced uh, by Kane, mm-hmm. is is Bo-Katan being seduced into going back to the comfort in the the, in the rigidity of the covert and the perspective that might makes right and violence is the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah yeah because I don't I don't think she's yeah I, I don't think she's faking I don't think she I think she's confused I think she's angry the, the 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 reaction to her home being blown blown apart yeah uh, i think she's trying to decide what to do next right yeah, and, and yeah. like like with everything she has she has we've talked about week after week if you if you know her story she has chosen uh the real dark side of the mm-hmm. death watch and she has really tried to put that behind her and and tried to be we're uh, we're stronger together mandalore yeah and that never worked out for her and now she's sitting on this powder keg and like mm. trying to decide which way to go. Yeah. 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 That, 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 I love that look at the, um, the mythosaur on the wall at the end. It's just like, it's like, it's haunting her. It's a telltale heart. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's there. I know it's there. Yeah. Am I going to, am I going to try to bring everybody together with that? Or am I going to try to spin it to my advantage and crush yeah. my enemies? Yeah. Cr- yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I'm always rooting for people to make the characters, make the great choices in star Wars, but I also enjoy a good, uh, Good village villain or origin story. I'm not saying I want to be villain. They're like the character, you know. And I don't, I don't. That's not even a prediction. Just uh, I personally really love that moment. Uh, both moments, the bookend 
um, of, uh, hey, did you see anything? You didn't. Cool, 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 cool. And then staring at it, this means something more to me than it maybe even does to them because they they want to believe I might have the I might have the belief now. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I think you're you're touching on on another big idea in this episode. Probably the the biggest sort of thematic thing to me that that linked a lot of ideas is this idea of good intentions that um, yeah, Kane is is very clear on her manipulation of Pershing. I think Pershing is a <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know culpable as well. He makes choices. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like that's where we really get into this analysis of the new Republic as well. We see multiple individuals and groups with the new Republic and, and children of the watch uh, who have convinced themselves that they have honorable intentions. And I think we're invited as an audience to go like, well, what do they believe in? What, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. Do we agree with that? Do we agree morally that that is the right way to go? And even if we do agree that, Hey, all of your intentions are great. Yeah, are you lying to yourself about what your intentions are? And it seems like whatever your intentions are, things are going sideways. So how are we going to square what your stated goals are with what is actually happening? And, mm-hmm. and I feel like that good intentions battle is happening with Pershing. It's happening with the New Republic. It's happening with the Children of the Watch. It's happening uh, maybe even a little bit with Din. It's happening on, on multiple levels that I'd love to discuss. Yeah, no, let's uh, dive on into that because, uh, yeah, there's this, um, you know, because we got the, the Galaxy's Opera House stuff and you got kind of a similar and or vibe and, and quite frankly, similar Star Wars vibe. We've seen a lot of other places. Let's give that other other spots credit of the uh, we shouldn't get involved and everything. And I just kept going, well, you know, how how you differentiate between the two governments, the two sides or two more important or competing points of view is, uh, you know, you follow out that string to what are the intentions at the end of the day? What's the heart? And for this episode to have this big question of can you change your heart and to tie that into, I don't know, the New Republic. They just took down the Imperial cogwheels. That's all. That's all. It's all the same. It's all the same. I thought it was a fascinating starting point to discuss that. Yeah, yeah. And and having to ask, too, with Kane, how much, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, she is a true believer of the Imperial cause, but we don't get to go behind the scenes and, and understand why, you know, mm-hmm. if these are true political beliefs or is, is she is a person who is might makes right. And, uh, you know, the New Republic's weak. Look at how easily I can uh, play them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's fascinating. But but going to Pershing, because Pershing makes the, the, the theme of good intentions explicit uh, by literally saying <laughs> that again and again. Um, he he relates the story in in the uh, Galactic uh, Galaxy's Opera House uh, of kind of his beginning, his backstory, right? About how mm-hmm. he says, I assure you my, that my original intentions were good, literally. Uh, he says, yeah. I believe the pursuit of knowledge is the most noble thing someone can do. Sadly, my research was twisted into something cruel and inhumane at the behest of a desperate individual intent on using clone technology to secure more power for himself. So mm-hmm. I mean, this is his this is his TED talk, right? Of like, yeah. you work in the data pits, dude, but <laughs> mm-hmm. but you have a valuable perspective. So come to a massive TED talk for the glitterati of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so, you know, all that stuff is thought out right so he's already internalized this is my narrative this is my story Mm -hmm. i'm someone who believes in knowledge and science and it's been twisted he makes it personal by by sharing this thing that i think people can probably really relate to and and say yep cloning genetic manipulation yep the ethics get complicated fast Mm -hmm. as they say later in the episode but when he breaks it down to 
my mom had a bad heart and yeah. you can just clone a new heart and she wouldn't have died. And that's, that's the truth across the board. Uh, it really invites us as the audience to r- relate to him that he is starting out with really good intentions, right? Yeah. And I think it opens him, uh, among other things, to to Kane's manipulation uh, that the New Republic probably has a ban on cloning for reasons. And he seems to understand what they are, right? Yeah, he seems to know. He, he seems to know. It's, it's, it gets complicated. But it's almost to me like he buys his own narrative. He's like, if the story of who I am is someone with utterly good intentions who just wants to help, you know, other people not lose their mom, mm. then I guess everything I do is okay because it's starting from a perspective of good intentions, right? He has that thought. He entertains that thought. And then Kane's like, got him. And, yeah. and you know, she literally says... You're helping the New Republic. It's the right thing to do. Or no, she says, but if it could help the New Republic, isn't it that important enough? Mm-hmm. He has that mirror moment. I, I feel anytime you're saying something to yourself in the mirror <laughs> to convince yourself to do a thing, it's, it, wrong. It, 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 you're, it's up for debate, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're helping the New Republic. It's the right thing to do, he says, to himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that invites us to go like, okay, well, maybe it's true that he did have good intentions. Maybe it's true that he is the kind of scientist who's just like, I want to Jurassic Park this. I want to know if I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Other people will come in and control it if I shouldn't. Or other people will come in and, and stop the T-Rex from eating the children. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit of a scientist and just wants to do it. Mm. But it opens to me this question of if he starts with good intentions that we can relate to, why is he doing it now? Why does he need it now? Is it a an ego thing? He mm. needs to know if he can finish. Is it a glory thing that he wants the breakthrough? Does he really truly, is he still thinking of other people? Is he, there's nothing in the episode where he's looking around at sick people and going, I wish I could help. Right. It's much more internal. It's about him. And uh, I, I think one of the other fascinating things to me in the, in this great, you know, quiet internal indie drama across a galactic stage is that wounded ear and playing with it Mm -hmm. uh and and reaching up to to touch this uh this literal place of of trauma Mm -hmm. a couple different times um which to me sort of invites this idea of is he holding a grudge um Mm -hmm. is he you know it, honestly, to like, does he want to fix his ear? <laughs> like, I get, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get my stuff back, and I've, I can fix my ear. Um, partially uh, joking about that, but I think it is also a symbol of you know, he he was caught in the middle. It was an all-in imperial holding a blaster to Pershing's head, taunting Cara Dune about the destruction of Alderaan, and Cara Dune had to like, yeah, no, I know, I know, I'm gonna bla- blow <laughs> Pershing's ear off. Uh, but I'll do it to kill this Imperial. So this ear, if you if you track it back to, to when we saw the damage happen to it, yeah. is a little bit of a symbol of sort of being caught in the middle. And to me, that that makes it feel like this isn't about good intentions. This is about understandable issues, mm-hmm. but, it's, it, but it's about you. It's about your ego. It's about your unresolved issues. It's about your need to get back to your past, to what you knew. 
Yeah, yeah. The the reasons for for, for truly changing and truly what what you're doing, and 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 that that can that it does become personal even for me. Of of even when you launch a new project or hey, I want to do this, I'm always telling myself, no, don't believe your own hype. Even <laughs> if it says nice things, make sure you know that that can um, color how you how you approach things going forward. But also, you know, sometimes your your heart isn't in the right place, even though you think it is. And there's so many times. In this episode, we thought we were doing good. You want to help the new republic? They they just can't see it yet. And and even him asking the 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 droid there, our main objective is to help the republic, right? And that supersedes everything. He's not asking himself why at all, right? Just looking at at the next step, looking at a lot of things you're you're saying. How, how personal is it? I I don't think it's an anger, an anger based uh, as much as maybe Book of Ten right now. Um, that ear thing that you're, you're bringing up is, is, is a wonderful way to look at the ear and the house, <laughs> Bo-Katan's house in the ear of what's driving them forward. I don't know. That's that's what I loved about this episode. Um, I think he's confused. And that's, that's what you feel. The whole yeah. he's confused. He's confused. And, and, I, and I think he is having a hard time on Coruscant. And I think there is more to that. And, and, and we'll get into that. Cause, so I'm not just saying he's, he's a villain. I think... Mm-mm. I think maybe that's where I connected with him emotionally of, of seeing... Um, his BSing himself in myself, mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, I, I try to be a good person. I stumble. This is a funny example, but like every once in a while I see an action figure I want. That's it's more expensive and I don't need it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, but I could do it. A TikTok with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make any money from TikTok right now. I got plenty of action figures and like, that is technically true, but that's not the reason you're buying this action figure. The reason is, you know, there's a little snarling beast inside you going, I want it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I try to f- convince myself of a reason that actually it's good. Actually, I should. Like, just admit to yourself, you're spending more money than you should. You really want that. Be honest yeah. with yourself, you know? Yeah, no, I, no, no, I really love that. And, 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 and uh, you, you may be kind of maybe focus on even more what I was trying to say there of like there was a particular incident of, of, of a book I was trying to write about 15 years ago. And, and I was like, I have this idea for this book. I think it will help people. And, and a friend of mine heard the pitch and was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're, I think you just want to do this to, to make money and you feel this is way forward to do it. And he was right. <laughs> but that wasn't what I thought. I was holding my ear. It was, it was, it was a book based around something that I, I was experiencing and, and had been dealing with. And I was like, well, if I'm dealing with it, maybe I can help others. And, and, and he was like, I, I just, I think I, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And I just think you want to, write a, a a book that makes money <laughs> which of course <laughs> and that and and that i think you think you would do it to help but that maybe isn't your intentions and it was a, it was a weird weird moment i was kind of called on the carpet on this thing and 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 I, just even hearing you talk it just making me think more of that moment where where i i remember getting embarrassed but also well no that's not right no this is what i, I want to do and he's like yeah but i i don't think you're fully where you're coming from on the subject is not necessarily, you're still going through it. So you don't necessarily know how to help anyone else. through it. <laughs> Does that make sense? You're still yeah. trying to find the answers. Yeah. Trying and like, find the answers. and I think, I think it really is just about that battle for honesty because, mm-hmm. you know, m- maybe, maybe Pershing's right that maybe there shouldn't be an entire ban, you know, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. he should, you know, put through a request and, and, push through it all maybe you should have written that book to make money and maybe it would have helped people mm-hmm. but what happens when we're not pursuing things while being absolutely honest with ourselves about mm-hmm. why you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because yeah, because it starts to get into in the episode it starts to get into a level of like dogma and mantra that is 
repeating it to yourself again and again. And sometimes the way this is the way is of like, mm-hmm. this is the way it can be very meaningful. Din, Din says it in a very meaningful way. He has examined uh, parts of the creed and parts of the creed he has mm-hmm. no doubt in. He believes them with his whole heart. Yeah. But other times it can just be a like, we're just in lockstep, right? Mm-hmm. And the way he keeps monitoring, like, but but it but it'll be good for the new republic, right? It'll be mm-hmm. good for the new republic is just like this uh, uh, mantra he's papered over his true motivations. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, mm. so uh, this is great stuff. I'm glad we're getting into it. I, now l- let's get into maybe one of the most challenging things to discuss: the new republic. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like the episode was definitely challenging the new Republic. I feel like the entire show, the Mandalorian from the beginning has presented us with a critique of the new Republic that they have good intentions, but they're stretched thin. They can't get all the way out Mm -hmm. to Navarro. Uh, There's even, you know, I can't remember what the incident was, but somebody says, Hey, to to Din early on, like you got a problem, take it up with the new Republic. And he's like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mayfeld uh, has questioned them. Uh, Carson Teva is obviously of the New Republic and is saying, "I need more help. Uh, there's something going on, and we're not we're not paying attention." So, I, I think the whole Mandalorian show has had a sort of like the New Republic is trying. Now we get to go to the heart of the core worlds, and we get to see for ourselves the uh, actions they're taking. Many of them are from books, comic books, which is really cool. Um, but get to analyze for ourselves the same sort of good intentions filter. <laughs> yeah. Of here's what they're trying to do. Here's why they're trying to do it. And for me, I come at it is I, I'm totally open to to a criticism of the New Republic. Ultimately, the New Republic does not respond well to the threat of the First Order. So so they fail. And right. And maybe the seeds of that storytelling is happening here. But I also have like, strongly in my bones like this is the government of leia and mon mothma they're not all powerful they can't control everything but i know it's starting with good intentions so what are the good intentions and how is the government losing its way in the application of them i think that's what the to me the the show is wrestling with what do you think about that just general way of looking at the story of the New Republic? I, I think we're in the same spot where I, I could immediately get defensive of Leia Mon Mothman. I was like, oh, they're probably at the Opera House there. I wonder if we're going to do some sort of cut <laughs> over to my watch. Um, yeah, yeah. But but everything we've talked about Pershing and and, and, and I would say everything about Bo-Katan definitely seems to apply to the New Republic, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's, it's asking the question of, we've made the change. You've got some very disconnected people. Empire Rebels, New Republic, hard to tell the difference. Well, of course, because nothing's changed for you because yeah. you keep your mouth shut. And you, as your wife says, we try not to get involved. Yeah, of course, <laughs> nothing's different for you. It's it's my anger towards, ah, well, both sides suck type of thing. Like, follow that out to the intentions of them. That's how you measure it. That's how you measure it. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't mean every choice is going to align with you. Uh, but follow it out. And, and I think there's a lot of examples in this episode of, oh, that's not. It's not. It's not the old times, you know, Doctor Doctor Fishmouth there at the end saying that. You know, um, uh, we got them at the table. Oh no, I didn't know. Of course, I didn't, no, no. Good riddance to the, the Empire. I'm just. Like, did you miss the the cheese sticks in, in the fridge? Like that's <laughs> um, the uniforms fit better. Yeah. 
uniforms fit better. I, by the way, I love one of my favorite things. Episode, uh, uh, Kitty O'Brien did a wonderful job. Just a subtle talk on her clothes every time as Kane as she's walking in the opera house before we even see her face, and and then in uh, later on watching the mind flare in action. Just that subtle talk to make mm. it fit like the Empire. I uh, love that little detail there yeah. and what's going on. Is uncomfortable in that outfit as uh, as Pershing is with his life on Coruscant. You know, yes. Coruscant, the suit he's wearing that's not fitting. <laughs> not fitting. All that. Yeah, I love I love what you're saying. And I think there are a lot of great ideas. I, I love the um, the aristocrat uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Clear connections to Andor in terms of this is the, the storytelling of Coruscant. It, 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 particularly if you're wealthy, if you're on the upper levels, you are not feeling the horrors that everybody has been feeling for decades now. You have to choose to feel it. You have to choose to feel it. You have to see it. You have to have empathy and see that, okay, well, we're doing fine, uh, but there isn't just more crime down in the lower levels now yeah. <laughs> uh, because more Rodians moved in or whatever awful thing they might think, mm-hmm. uh, but because those people are going poverty and you're not and so this aristocrat probably has you know uh, gambled Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh with mothma's awful husband right Um, (laughs) perrin and this guy have definitely hung up could you imagine me (laughs) in the military we're gonna draft me to go fight in the war yeah so I think he serves to to set uh, the table of the, this is a different vibe. The Coruscant is a world, a, a reality where uh, people are not experiencing uh, the brutal hellscape out on the outer rim of an imperial warlord, the, the life that Pershing's been living. You know, every other time we've seen Pershing, he's been captured, shot at. Yeah. At a bl- we have, we've never seen this character have a moment of peace out in the outer rim. Uh, yeah. Constant conflict and terror for mm-hmm. him. Um, so there's that there's that world building of he's really uncomfortable in this world. But I also think that line from the aristocrat is there to, is almost a theme statement. Uh, mm-hmm. And from his his partner there of uh, Empire Rebels, New Republic, I can't keep track. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the fear. That's the fear hanging over everything is the New Republic means well. They are obviously and explicitly and without any doubt trying to do things different and better than the Empire. Mm-hmm. But will they fail? Yeah. That's, that's the question. That's a question that's been raised by, you know, grief Karga even this season saying, we don't want some other, we don't want yet another bureaucracy mm-hmm. coming in here and Mayfeld being snarky about them. Um, so, 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 so um, <laughs> I know, right. It's, it's, it is a huge um, stretch for Wilbur to play that character. <laughs> uh, so yeah. it, it raises that question. And then I think it goes through and kind of shows us some of the beats of how are they trying to be different and are they succeeding yeah yeah it, it's 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 all singing right in harmony especially when, when, when you pull on the new republic stuff in this episode which is why i think uh despite it being a song choice that i didn't expect the dj to play it it definitely uh is intriguing it's it's it's, it's an episode I, I mando i'm not saying mando's been predictable uh but it's definitely had repeatable patterns and stuff that you can kind of see where it's going. And then I think we all maybe can just fall on that as pundits, podcasters, even fans. And I think this episode was such a switch for me um, that I love wrestling with the stuff and, and including kind of what you're getting at here. And we said it earlier, but like, I, I would be defensive of, of a takedown of the new Republic. I really would. And I want, I want the show to maybe uh, eventually, um, figure out what it wants to say about that. I mean, it, it probably knows what it wants to say, but like, tell me a little more. 
What, what, what do you feel about this? Because because yeah. I think that even with you mentioning the grief cargo moment, I understand the character of grief cargo is going to still have that kind of view. Uh, you know, New Republic doesn't even like my robes or my robe droid. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> but what is it? What 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 do you want me as uh, as an audience member to take away from it? Yeah, and I I do feel like they're building toward more of a thesis, and I think they're building toward like what what are the foundations of the New Republic that were wobbly that helped allow a, a poor response to the threat of the First Order, right? Yeah. Um, we've got some things in books I, I really like in Bloodline the idea that the government was structured uh, to be a little bit more loose and open, so there could be debate, and it was really held together well. By Mon Mothma, but then it's just it's gotten into a bunch of bureaucracy and red tape and bickering when Mothma retires. Yeah. That's one picture I like of, like of the structural dysfunction. But I think they're dealing with something else. They're dealing with uh, rebirth and and change and the stumbles that might happen. And I think the same way that I uh, often talk about justice for the Jedi, I think I have a little bit of an instinct to say justice for the New New Republic. In that, mm, mm. it's easy to just sit back and go. Well, they screwed up, and yes, they did. Absolutely, they did. Right. But then that can kind of slip into sort of some some fence-sitting ideology of <laughs> they're yeah. all bad, they're all the same. And yeah. to me, the story of the Jedi and the story of the New Republic is they have great intentions to do incredibly tricky, difficult things. It's hard to build a good society. It's hard to make the the correct choices and find ways to implement them that work for everybody that is the mm. great work of society the great work of government and i feel like the new republic is trying and now we're, we're saying well how and where do they stumble i think mm. specifically in this episode i love that they make it quite clear you know uh and i'll make a moral judgment here i think it's pretty great to offer amnesty you know rather than being executed uh the way you would by the empire of, mm -hmm. oh, hey, you know what? Turns out you're part of <laughs> this uh, creepy armored guy, Darth Vader's quota. He gets to kill seven of us a month. <laughs> <laughs> no trial, no no problem, no, don't even need to tell our loved ones about it. You know, mm -hmm. obviously, obviously, uh, you know, I love that line where where um, the officer at, at the amnesty officer at the table uh, with Pershing is like, yeah, that's that's not how the Empire would have handled it. And then quietly in the background, like, not not big on redemption, the Empire. <laughs> no. So I, I would argue that, yes, amnesty, mm -hmm. giving, not just saying, if you touched the Empire, you're, you're in prison. Yeah, but yeah. saying, like, come be a part of things. So good intention. And now the episode gets us to ask, okay, but how is it being handled? handled? Mm -hmm. Do they have the people to handle it? Are they dehumanizing them the way they're doing it? Are they taking very skilled people and not letting them use their skills and therefore creating resentment? You, you can have a lot of questions about they executed it well, but I think it starts with legitimately good intentions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't just imprison yeah. massive swaths or execute massive swaths of the galaxy try to to offer them a path into a new society. What do you think about just analyzing that one beat, that I, I one know. idea? Yeah, no, I'm with you on that there. And that's, I think, why I said I get a little defensive there. And I don't even think the show, you know, the show is the right to analyze it and point it out and make us think about oh, it yeah. in the real world. And I, I, I want to play it out there. But yeah, uh, no, I absolutely love those beats. There's a couple of those beats of... Um, even uh, Dr. Baby Fishmouse at the end just kind of, you know, by the way, I, I I went on a journey with that character. We'll talk about it in action. <laughs> um, oh, no, we don't do that here, son. You know, but asking in an episode titled The Convert, did, did this government really convert as well? 
is is completely fair. But I'm I'm with you. I, th- I think measuring the intentions that that's the true um, test of one's heart. Uh, measuring the actions, measuring what you're trying to do. Um, but along the way, and how you try to do something, uh, of course you can maybe lose focus. Of course you can do it wrong. Of course you could the, the execution of uh, from script to screen. Of course, right? Um, <laughs> and I think there's some things in this episode that maybe are are, are analyzing that. You had a great thought off there that I'm sure you're going to discuss. But it's just it, yeah. droids, uh, everything being droids, and, and how they, you know I think there's some powerful stuff there. But I think at the beginning, yeah, I love that. I do love the conversations because I, I, I tell you what. Truthfully, at the end of the day, I believed everyone else at the table but Kane. Yeah, and I think they were honestly wrestling with it of like, it's, yeah, we were we were conscripted. We were told this was the right thing to do. Maybe we saw some horror shows. We definitely saw that you could just, that no, if if this was the other way around, the Empire would have blasted every rebel in the back of the head and, and yeah. dumped them in a pit. Yep. And th- yep. they, they all seem clear on that. <laughs> yep. um, so we're starting from a good point, but then what can go wrong? I, I felt like that was there. I, I love the mention of uh, that they're still working on decommissioning the Alliance fleet, which is a thing that has been established in canon that Mothma mm-hmm. really doesn't want to show a fist to the galaxy. So we, we're not a military organization anymore. We don't need a fleet um, mm-hmm. we, or we don't need this war fleet. Obviously, they, they do later have some ships that are uh, destroyed by yeah. uh, the Starkiller base. Um, but th- that's got a good, good uh, tension to me because... Uh, I think it is honorable to try to say, let, let's not show a fist to the galaxy. Let's not make this about, we're, we're not making you follow New Republic rules because uh, we will blow up your planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're trying to make you follow them because you believe in the, the goal of a better society for everyone. But yeah. that's kind of uh, even hard to go like, ooh, it's hard to hear about decommissioning the Alliance fleet when earlier we saw Bo-Katan and Din have to run from a fleet. Yeah of TIE interceptors that's too big for a warlord to happen. And when you combine that with Carson Teva just flying around the Outer Rim going, well, someone listen to me. Something's Something's going on. So you have another good, like, okay, well, that's a good intention. You're not being the Empire. The Empire would never decommission their fleet. They are their fleet, right? Yeah. Uh, But then there's like, okay, are you stepping away from the Empire in a bad way now, you know? Mm -hmm. And the whole episode has some, some push and pull of the new republic is being rigid about uh if it if it's imperial it's gone, gone. uh yeah. cloning is cloning is we're just not doing it now <laughs> maybe later but no just no cloning at all um it, we're we're destroying star destroyers even if they have valuable equipment it's imperial equipment it's got to go yeah. and then at the end of the episode we have one thing we're like this is clearly awful it's a mind flayer and it's real <laughs> yeah yeah and it is a horrific torture device. It is the legacy of the Empire. But we think we can make it work to be something more positive. So if the episode is raising this question of good intentions, I almost think it's playing with the audience in some ways. Of, mm-hmm. of at Some moments I can see the audience being like on Pershing's side of like, why won't you let him yeah. per- pursue his, make all the rules you want about what he can and can't do, but why won't you let him pursue making organs for moms <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't let him do hearts for moms like yeah oh and you you gotta burn that perfectly good you know com equipment because it had an imperial insignia on it you, you're almost invited to agree with pershing that this is mm-hmm. overkill yeah but then you're pushed the other way when you're like well the new republic shouldn't have a a mind flare, no matter how fun they made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, just a nice shot to the brain. It's like a whiskey shot. Make you feel great. Yeah. yeah. So how did you deal with that tension? When, when were you keeping a scorecard of 
I think the New Republic should do this. I think they shouldn't do this. Not necessarily, but the end beat effect in me where I, I again, this is where I, I'm not saying this is a problem with the, this episode of the, of the show. I just, that is, um, it's an open-ended, well, we'll see what happens. We're going to put your brain in this thing. We kind of like it. Um, it's all the same to us, even though I'm saying it's not the same. I, I walked away with a little, uh, little bitter taste in my mouth uh, of them kind of lumping the new Republic in with the empire. I felt that was what I took from that final scene. Not, not that the show's saying that that's the case, but I yeah. think a lot of people might extrapolate that from the scene. And I think yeah. the don't like that. I, I think for me at the end of the day, I think there's the, the question of the new Republic, can it be different than the empire? Mm -hmm. And in order to try to say like, no, we're not. And so many people say like, well, we're not the empire. You know, uh, yeah. uh, Dr. Mon Calamari funny voice was like, this isn't the empire. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it almost seems to me like that that's the chink in the armor that maybe they're right to just burn Imperial equipment. Maybe they're right to just say no cloning right now. Uh, mm -hmm. In the mm -hmm. one bit of Imperial horror show where they're like, yeah, we can repurpose it. I feel like the, the the doctor believes it, right? I think this yes. is he thinks it's guided meditation. He thinks it's truly helpful, right? He yeah. has good intentions, but the existence of this thing that is controlling and mm -hmm. rigid and and meant to cause pain still has the potential, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's and and that's she she just literally turns it back to what it had been, right? Of mm -hmm. uh, of a of a torture machine. So I feel like almost it's more critic. It's almost more supporting New Republic of like, yep, no cloning. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Decommission the fleet. Yep. Burn every uh, every Imperial scrap everywhere. This is what happens when you leave a little bit of the legacy of that horror still around. Is it gets turned right back to horror? Yeah, I I, I like that thought. I like that thought. You, you make me think more about some of the stuff in the episode. Maybe I should have kept a checklist. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, and I think I th again, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers at the show and saying how dare you say this. I think it is, it's right to ask these questions. I just sometimes fear that this is going to lead to see. There's, it, that's the danger of leaving art to be interpreted, right? <laughs> that's the danger, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I no. People try to tell me that Kylo Ren represents the the uh, the, the wokes trying to burn down Confederate statues. Like I, I literally had that sent to me once, and like, oh well, you're right to take that. From the scene, I guess. But um, <laughs> so uh, the Mind Flayer thing had that vibe for me of, uh, at the end. Again, might just be me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, I think there is a lot of ambiguity. And like I said, I feel like that this is such a, uh, a, a statement that we are going to be continuing this conversation. This wasn't our New Republic episode. <laughs> like mm -hmm. we got Skeleton Crew coming. We got Ahsoka coming. Um, I, I think we're going to have a lot more questions about what is the right way to build a society um uh, i want to come back to the children of the watch and their idea of good intentions but since we're, we're talking about new republic i want to uh, dive into i think one of the the really clear things in the episode which is uh mechanization and to me this yeah. is a little bit more clear uh story that has been built up about the new republic of we we have all these ideals of how people should be treated we have ideas that we drew up for systems that we should keep in place about mm -hmm. um how we handle prisoners um, that, that we have these ships, they are mostly automated with robots. Uh, we, we take some prisoners to these, uh, chop shop planets, <laughs> Carthon, yeah. that's mostly automated. Uh, and then to see that everything in Pershing's experience is automated and 
non-organic and alienating was really, really powerful and does feel like a, is that a mistake of mm-hmm. a vision or is that a true, like, you just don't have the numbers. You just don't have the resources, but it's a crack in your system because mm. it's affecting to see the, the yeah. new Republic, uh, giving these amnesty members numbers mm. and having them refer to one another in numbers. Yes. Uh, seeing Pershing work in a monotonous data entry type job to have his ability to communicate, to raise an idea, be like, well, you have to fill out the office space form. And I don't even know if somebody with your history can, like it's all the, you know, rigid trapped in the sheer volume of droids, right. Of, um, you get you get the sense that the new republic is literally on autopilot. The the train security droids, the taxi droids, and most affectingly, uh, the the parole droid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which almost felt to me like I, I'm really struggling with feeling um, trapped by how much we have mechanized society um, where everything is an interaction with a computer. Where sometimes you just what you want to do is really straightforward. And if you could just tell a human, it would go away. Like you and I are going to the UK soon for um, the -hmm. the Star Wars celebration. And we need to tell our, our banks and our credit card companies that we'll be in the UK. So they don't auto shut us down. Mm -hmm. It's the simplest thing in the world. I just said the sentence, right? So now we just need to tell the bank. It's a nightmare to think of how many parole droids do we have to go through? (laughs) to quote unquote, tell the bank, right? Yeah. And just one thing isn't a big deal. But when your whole life is like, almost everything I've done is just tried to convince a binary system of a subtle thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so what's going on in this episode. And so I think it Pershing becomes utterly numb. He's lost connection. He's lost purpose. And it leaves him incredibly vulnerable to Kane's manipulation. Yeah, and her, her manip- manipulation was was uh, brilliant, right? If, if that's what you're rooting for, you look at it from the very beginning. Uh, and I think you're right. When, when it, the Star Wars theme of connection and community is important, and um, that's not on display here. And that's uh, I, like I, the, the, I was um, shocked about the numbers a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. That made me go, "Well, why would you do that? <laughs> why not? Hey, it's Pen. It's it's, it's uh, Doctor Pen. Like you don't need it. Yeah, yeah." And that, and the, so I'm fine analyzing it from that. I'm fine poking at it and saying, "Hey, there could there could be a better way to do this. Maybe this is why things fell a little bit later." Yeah, and, and there's that kind of intimation that the the reintegration uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> locations, which some of this Alphabet Squadron is dealing with very early iterations of that, right? right? Yeah, of, yeah. of trying to uh, find like what are the systems? How are we going to you know work with Imperials? Mm-hmm. Um, who's willing to work with us? Uh, all that stuff. Um, in, in, I, this is totally not in the show and just headcanning, but you can see like so, somebody, people in the New Republic being like, we need to offer them back into society, you know, unless it's, you know, Tarkin level <laughs> criminal, like we, they have a war tribunal. They're not like saying, Moff Gideon, would you like to do data entry? Right. They have a line. But for anybody else who maybe just got swept up in it, you can imagine somebody being like, we got to give them another chance. And like somebody else a little bit more hard edge being like, Okay, but there got to be guardrails up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Reintegration, no names, no interacting with people, <laughs> droids, yeah. you know. Like yeah. we'll make them comfortable, but they, but we're gonna keep them on a tight leash. There, there's a zone on Coruscant, and they can't leave it, <laughs> right? You can almost imagine yeah. the. This is a beautiful idea that is scary and risky 
to, yeah. to think the best of people and to bring them back into society and to give them another chance and to not be the empire. And then you can see the kind of incrustation of the, the concern uh, mm-hmm. about who these people are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Built into it. Yeah, absolutely. They give them drab gray apartments, no paintings <laughs> on the wall. Hey, look, Pershing's, Pershing's apartment was, uh, you know, uh, uh, almost more spacious than mine. So I, he wasn't hurting. <laughs> He's doing all right. He was doing all right, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, it was, we'll talk about the, the canon of uh, you mate, the mountain, but, but that, seeing that mountain that's consumed with technology, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, this kind of image of uh, it being consumed everywhere you go with, with technology, uh, I thought mm-hmm. was great. And, and I thought it was a great, real breaking point of Pershing is wanting to finish what he started. He's feeling boxed in. Kane is opening him up. Uh, and I love that what appears to be his breaking point is that there's perfectly good Imperial machinery that's being thrown away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it feels like he, it feels like a real it me moment for him, <laughs> you know, of like, I'm perfectly good. Yep. Imperial machinery that's being thrown away. Great way to look at it. I want, I just want to build mom hearts. I just want to build mom hearts, everybody. I was so close to unlocking the way to build mom hearts that are even better. <laughs> Not just one for one heart, but mm-hmm. a heart that's a combination of two strands. Yeah, yeah. They'll just yeah. clone hard, yeah. And then all of Kane's manipulation, I think, really speaks to that. She offers him mm-hmm. the uh, excitement, connection, life, e- even down to like her final manipulation right before they get to the lab. When she has the, you know, I must have walked past you a hundred times on Gideon's mm. ship. Mm. We should have known each other. I'm here's my real name. We're not numbers. We're people. It, it's it's great and it's dark because it's taking something that Star Wars often values. The, mm-hmm. the, the clones choose their names. They're not their CT numbers, right? Yes. Uh, and turning it on its on its head and having Kane use that desire for connection is absolutely cruel, brutal manipulation. Yeah, I, I particularly love the uh, Touch the Mountain sequence. Just her oh, yeah. testing him. How far will he go? How, how much does he trust me? How much does he want this? How much does he want that kind of, kind of connection? It's a funny little prank bit, but obviously it was her her testing. And uh, I thought it was effective. And, and exactly for what you're saying, I'm just taking things that Star Wars has preached are good <laughs> and twisting it around, which is often uh, what evil does. Yeah. And I, I, I think that was one of the my favorite shots of Pershing. It was just like, ah. Oh. I can touch something real. real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he looks, he's so trepidatious, but he looks a little bit of awe, like, like, mm-hmm. you know, like when you haven't like just been outside and like smelled a tree <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you're feeling encrusted by it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that it's definitely a thing that the new Republic can be criticized for. They are, they are drilling the soul out of some of these people that they're trying to rehabilitate. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So I want to jump back then, if you're okay with it, uh, to to Children of the Watch and this idea of of good intentions. Totally. Um, we still haven't in the actual show. We've definitely seen elements of the way that uh, different things that are the way and, and, and what their culture is and that there is an element of you're always hunter and prey. Uh, mm-hmm. Might makes right. And anybody uh, can challenge anybody. It's always Paz Vizsla <laughs> challenging Din. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there's like, we're family, we're community. Unless one family member kicks your ass, then <laughs> yeah. that is the way. Um, so we've seen bits and pieces of it. But pulling back to what the old Mandalorian ways are, what we saw Death Watch 
do in the Clone Wars. The episode we meet Bo-Katan, a friend in need, where they are in, enslaving a local community because they can, because might makes right. Mm. Uh, the show, Mandalorian hasn't fully played its hand with that. Mm. But I've been really watching the Children of the Watch with that in mind, that they are connected to that philosophy. Yeah. So I was really affected by what's been built up the last few episodes uh, that there's lots that we can see the children of the watch believe there's lots of statements of what is the way that to me morally sound great. Um, loyalty and solidarity mm-hmm. are the way um, protecting foundlings is the way anyone can be a Mandalorian if they decide to be a part of the society and, and, a productive member of it. Uh, this rigid way even has a possibility of redemption. Might be asking a lot <laughs> to go bathe in the in the living waters, but there is a path to redemption. There are all these things that the children of the watch uh, believes that in that Din believes with all his heart that mm-hmm. protecting foundlings, providing for foundlings is the way. They're all great, but lurking under that is this absolute rigidity a worship of violence a certainty that might makes right and i feel like those are the ideas uh that that bo-katan is is wrestling with right mm. they're patting bo-katan on the back just like pershing got the connection yeah. that he was missing she's been walked out on alone her entire family is dead and it must feel good to be patted on the back and to be a part of something again. But the people who are patting her on the back are part of the murder cult that got her sister killed. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you, where do you go with that? (laughs) (laughs) Where'd I go? Uh, I, 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 again, love this little look over of what does it all mean to her? And, and you're talking about, um, the loss of connection that might drive you somewhere. I'm not again, pitching Bo-Katan as a villain. I don't necessarily think I want that. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by analyzing the, the, the children of the watch and all the things you're talking about are things that have kept them alive. It's their, how they've survived. Uh, I think those kind of traditions and, and, and things that are close to your heart can absolutely be used for that. But when they, um, but when they're not even manipulated, but when they are then also used in an outwardly way to um, destroy, to secure your power, uh, to um, control, and then then you got some problems. And I think that's what I see all the time with the armor. Um, I think you're so right. Go back to season one. Uh, we love this character. Mm-hmm. I both love what Emily Swallow's doing with this character. But season one, right? You, you're, it's a little bit more of a yeah, and you hit those stormtroopers with the, those hammers, uh, and now. When I see her, I have I, I have uh, visible confusion, <laughs> like Obi Wan coming to me on Attack of the Clones. Visible confusion. Uh, I can't wait for her and Bo Katan to have a sit down, maybe a fight, but a sit down to get into what you want. And I just don't know Bo Katan's place in that right now because everything you're saying that the, the loss of home, um, and then finding community, a big Star Wars theme again. You're talking about it being manipulated on Coruscant. It's been going to be kind of maybe manipulated, potentially manipulated here. I just see her... I don't fully... I don't fully trust where she's going with it right now, which I love. It's a big mm-hmm. question for me. Yeah. Well, we know the armor does not 
think well of her. The armor mm-hmm. thinks it's her family's fault. Oh, Satine's yeah. leadership and Bo-Katan's leadership that allowed the purge to happen. Yep. That they were weak. They abandoned the old ways. Uh, the, to hear the armor tell it, it it's almost a tale of superstition. It, 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 yeah. it was written that this time would come and, and somebody would make that choice, you know? Um, so, so there's, there's a lot there that like, we know the armor doesn't agree with Bo-Katan blames her for stuff. So is this the armor just trying to pacify and control Bo-Katan offer her community, but really take her off the board, you know? Yeah. Oh, I like that idea. Uh, Yeah. This is why I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe anything Bo-Katan's doing right now. And again, that's not saying villain, bad, bad choices. I'm just intrigued by it. That's what I was, of all the things the episode, when I shut the episode off and went to bed, I was like, what is she doing? Yeah. And I I feel like it's such a, uh, I feel like there isn't a conclusion in this episode. We're being set up with all these great questions, just like we're being set up with the questions of uh, the, how do we feel about the New Republic? What are they trying to do right? What are they failing at? How is this going to lead to their mistakes in, in the future? I feel like that's the same kind of questions that are being raised about the children of the watch. Could, could Din, could, could the children of the watch evolve and go these, these parts of the creed got to go right. Mm-hmm. Be- because it's what Bo-Katan expressed last episode. If we keep this might makes right, you know, perspective, mm-hmm. we're never going to unify. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then we will be crushed again. Uh, when, when Moff Gideon comes, <laughs> yeah. I, to to smash us to I don't know just for fun <laughs> we'll, we'll see what the motivation ends up being but I think it's this huge thing on the table this great construction uh, where just like some of the audience Din hasn't watched the animated shows mm-hmm. Din does not know the history and what's it going to do to Din's relationship with Bo Katan when he's been told by the armor she's a symbol of this she's a symbol of weakness and Bo Katan turns to him and is like Din <laughs> mf'er <laughs> yeah I was in a version of this. Yeah. I, I used to follow the way I know what it means, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and he doesn't know that she understands that yet. That That's important in their relationship. And it's important for the audience to understand that part of her history. So I think that's gotta be coming. I absolutely think so. I mean, come on, you got Paz Vizsla there. We got some pre Vizsla connections. Let's get to it. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's yeah. I, and Bo-Katan did all sit down Have one of the most tense dinners in history. I want Din and Bo-Katan to go to the Galaxy's Opera House, and then I want Bo-Katan to turn to Din and say, have you heard the tragedy of uh, of the Duchess Satine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a story the armorer would tell you. By the way, I, I would I would love that name mentioned. It's got to be. It's it's just so core. Uh, there, there was a great interview with Katie Sackhoff going around of, of her talking about, like, that. That that's her core motivation. That's everything. Mm-hmm. She made this choice. She she threw in with these people, and and she brought Maul in this horror to Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that. Oh, they'll get to it. But I'd love to yeah. hear that name on screen. Yeah. Um. Last last kind of thought for me in, in terms of this sort of good intention thing. We, we did not spend a ton of time with uh Din. He had his major accomplishment, but he's he's just fine. He's just going. Not a lot of time with Grogu. But a real to me, it was a funny beat, but a real significant beat that. You know, Dan's like, yeah, never taking my helmet off again, <laughs> which I did to save my child and, and have an emotional connection with him, but never doing that again. And kind of pushing, pushing Bo-Katan to agree with, you know, this is the way. 
and then Grogu kind of half babbling, this is the way. Yeah. I mean, it was not, it, I don't think it was like, ooh, those sounds are, this is the way. It was just like, it felt like he doesn't have full speech skills yet and was trying to say it. Mm, yeah. Which when you're viscerally getting into, it's one thing for us to, to do fun art of, of you know, fan art of, of Grogu's Mandu helmet, Mando helmet, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's another thing for the show to really raise what exactly are the children of the watch? And we know Din has the greatest intentions yeah. in love for Grogu. But what is he indoctrinating Grogu into? And does he fully understand? Yeah, uh, and my answer to that is no, and I love it. I love the the central question of uh, you know, can you change your heart? What's your heart, and and what are your intentions? I think it it, it shows up there. I love that. Yeah, I'm gonna go rewatch that moment too, and, and focus on that gurgle a little bit more. But um, yeah, because that's because again, it's the, we we we've watched all the shows. I love that. I love that example. With Din Din clearly hasn't watched or read any of these books. Oh, <laughs> back to season one. Um, what are Jedi, sir? Uh, but uh, yeah, I um. We're, we have the benefit of knowledge, which just makes it more powerful, I think. And I love that. That, that uh, yeah. yeah, trying to protect, I want to protect Roku from that. Yeah. And, and I think everything that's in the show, it, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, what's that? You know, I want to see, I want him to see his dad's face again. You know, come on. Yeah. Right. A show that is kind of like in, in one episode going like, ooh, kind of making people use their numbers, making them do data entry, <laughs> uh, you know, regardless of what their desires for fulfilling jobs are. That's bad. Oh, but wearing a helmet all the time and never showing another human being your face. That's great. That's like, great. <laughs> is it? Is, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, as we always do, check in on the title. Uh, sometimes the titles are straightforward and sometimes they have uh, multiple meanings. Sometimes uh, they're up for interpretation. So where did you go with the convert? How did you interpret it? Sure. The question of who is the convert comes to mind. I, I, I really think it, it, it goes into all the characters, including the New Republic. I really think we've, we've uh, taken the deep dive into that theme. I do think this is Pershing's story, this episode. I, it's so mm-hmm. intertwined with Bo-Katan. Um, and she quote unquote converts at the end. That's fair. But, but I, I, you know, the gunslinger, the, the believer, all these titles, the Jedi, all these titles we've seen before the heiress. Um, I really think it's about him and, 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 and answering, trying to answer that question of, of, of what is truly converting. Can you, uh, the intentions of it all there. So I, I, I went with him in that there, but I definitely think it applies to other parts of the story. Yeah, I, I think it's a great title because it's so clear and it seems like, oh, yep, oh, I get this. This is about whether Pershing can make the conversion in from, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a scary scientist for a horrific warlord to productive member of Coruscant society. That's what it really looks like on the surface. But then to me, the the episode does become about both both Pershing and potentially Bo-Katan converting back to their old ways you know mm-hmm. when you hear hear the the convert you think it's about kind of forward movement and this was almost like the backwards convert to me yeah yeah thank you uh was there anything that you really disliked or questioned in the episode I, I think you've been saying some really great things that that the episode you're meant to question things and i don't think mm-hmm. there is uh some people might disagree with us i don't think there is a final statement on the new republic obviously they oh. are making some mistakes but it is more complicated than that so we enjoyed questioning things throughout the episode but was there anything else that you disliked or questioned just you know 
I think we've touched on some of the the the, the 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 change in songs, all that kind of stuff. I think you can question just how they executed the episode. I think that's fair. I think, it, uh, but like I said, I really like this episode. It got me thinking, perhaps more than in than other Mando episodes recently. But here's one little. This is a nitpick. Okay, can I can I can I sh- sir? Can I share a nit- nitpick? Can, we'll, Pick we'll your nit. Well, this came up during Andor uh, when our Sergeant Buddy Buddy drops the S word. And I don't want that in Star Wars all the time. I don't need F words. I don't need, I don't need that. I, but I remember not even, I had to go back and rewatch the episode because I saw it on Twitter. And it's like, I don't even hear a swear word. Oh, there it is. And I even said this in a force in a discord. I do like an Achuta. I do like this and that. I, at the end of the day, I think at some point you can drop the mud scuffers and the dank ferrics, <laughs> at least keep them. You have this great moment. The, the, the you know, her, her castle's being destroyed those mud scuffers bomb my home. I just don't like <laughs> just say the M say anything. They bomb my home. Uh, it's too silly for me. I'm sorry. And that's, and I went to discord with that. It was against me being grumpy. <laughs> stop it. Stop. Thank fair. Stop. Oh yeah. They just, just every once in a while, every once in a while. All right. Even in Battlestar Galactica uh, after frack or frick or whatever it was for a while. I just like, I get it. You can't, say <laughs> you can't say the F word. I got it. Um, I don't know. That's I'm, is it a nitpick? Yeah, but it sh- shows up a lot. And in this great moment, this epic sequence, you get this one little word that I was just like, "It's it's one in the morning." The, please don't do that to me. <laughs> uh, no, I get that. I think to me, it's a real fine line with the swearing. I, you know, I don't mind that Lou, Lieutenant Mosk uh, somehow knows that he's in grounded Star Wars, so he just <laughs> drops the s bomb. Um, yeah. I, I, they, you know, with uh, the Star Trek uh, shows on Paramount. Plus, they were, you know, able to swear. And, like, there's part of it is like, yeah, it was really fun to, to hear some swear. Mm-hmm. Great. Amazing to hear Picard drop the F-bomb. Right. And there, for me, that my nitpick is, like, I, and I've said this before, if the S-word exists, uh, I got to make up headcanon about why Han Solo is not referring to everything with the S-word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and I can like that. Uh, well, that word only exists in, you know, uh, Lieutenant or Mosk's yeah, culture or whatever. Yeah. That's fine. But I think for me at the end of the day, like, yeah, I didn't even pick out what she said. I had to, I heard the, the something, something uh, mm-hmm. bombed her home and I was concentrating on that great idea because we, we could, we could talk more about the idea of home is yeah. powerful in this. It then gets great, to yeah. kind of return to his. Bo-Katan loses hers. The place you used to be able to retreat to. Person is unable to adjust to his new one. Uh, already we have this season with different people trying to get Din to settle down in different places. Is he going to live by the hot springs? Um, so it was, it was a powerful moment. Um, and, and I can see how you could be bumped out of it. Because for me, the fake swearing hinges on, does it feel visceral? So it feels like a real swear word. Frack, you know, it became a little bit of a kind of in-culture in nerd joke. But it worked for me because it sounded visceral. You know, yeah, yeah, I like. I it. feel like they've overused Dank Ferric, but Dank Ferric works for me because it sounds visceral. You know, like I used to have a stand-up bit about trying to come up with new swear words, mm-hmm. and the joke of these these words, these syllables don't mean anything. But I'm going to call my mom and I'm going to say them to her, and if she recoils, I can use that as a fake swear word because it's about the visceral feeling, right? Yes, that's beautiful. Um, wow. and, and yeah, mud scuffers doesn't it, it it's almost there for me, but it's not quite visceral enough. It's fine, uh, you know. You know, some moof milker did. They, they, I have no problem. Uh, you know, people. You can all tweet at me that I'm being too grumpy and nitpicky. I totally am. I just um, in that one particular moment, I just like that. Ah, that's when you can maybe let let go of those things. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, it, it, it's a battle to how, how to get them across tone wise. You know, totally. we, we all loved all the scobbin. Scobbin. <laughs> uh, yeah, those scobbins could have worked. Yeah. From Drew and, and Freedy. There was, where was another uh, scug, the scug hole in the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that there was a, Vokatan was swearing up a storm in this episode. Yeah. yeah um, totally. For me, I, I think, I think I've already mentioned, I, 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 I like the New Republic being questioned i do have a little bit of hashtag justice for the new republic in that i think they have good intentions and we've heard a lot of people's criticism a lot of people um from the outside from the outer rim and if we're going to tell the story of the new republic i am eager at some point to you know get carson teva in here and stand up for the new republic a little bit can get the sinjarath valis <laughs> mothma's aid in here going <laughs> this is why we did this it might not be working but we're trying yeah, and this is. In, in, do, do, would you really? You really want the empire back? I don't think you do. I, I don't think we're the same. I think we're failing, but I don't think we're the same. Yeah, yeah, we're not the same. Yeah, absolutely. I want that perspective in the show at some point. Yeah, uh, we're not the same. Great Matthew Sweet song from One Hundred Percent Fun coming up next after Oasis and Radio Head Air on Mando Radio. All right, we're gonna take a quick bathroom break, and we're gonna be back to spin the indie hits in just a moment. Back in a moment. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back on what is clearly going to be a supersized episode of The Mandalorian Report. So many great ideas and questions to talk through. We also want to get into uh, some of the canon, the lore, great ideas there, and also the moments of, of fun, the moments that, that make uh, Star Wars the whiz-bang adventure serial it is with uh, moments of action, moments of comedy, all that great stuff. But let's get into the canon and the lore. Uh, Ken, this, uh, this was a dense episode. I want to start here with... Uh, with cloning, clarity, and history. Um, Got it. Uh, pe- people are excited to talk about the direct connections with uh, with Bad Batch. Um, so we get in uh, Pershing's TED Talk uh, mm-hmm. that the groundbreaking work of the Kaminoans, uh, thanks to the groundbreaking work of the Kaminoans, we know that cloning can duplicate an individual from a single genetic strand. Great catch up on, hey, did you miss Attack the Clones? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, then he goes a little bit forward to saying what my work explored and what he is obsessed apparently with continuing. What my work explored was the hope of combining multiple strands to create replicas that incorporated the best genetic attributes of both donors. Mm-hmm. So a couple things go- going on here that I want to ask you about. First is just um, the Bad Batch, the animated show that probably not as many people are watching as Mandalorian, it is exploring all this history of when the empire takes the technology from the Kaminoans. We are in the midst of this story um, with the, the evil Dr. Royce Hemlock mm-hmm. manipulating this. We know that there's a connection of cloning in uh, rise of Skywalker. How do you feel about all of the uh, storytelling of the history of cloning in the galaxy uh, being approached from all these different storytelling venues at different points in time. Is that working for you? Uh, it's working for me. It's funny because in the past I've been on record saying, uh, you, you, uh, with all due respect to the clones that I love and the movie Attack Clones and the Clone Wars, I don't follow the clone stuff in sci-fi much. I turn off my brain a little bit to it. I just don't, I, not a negative opinion, I have a neutral opinion on it. And, and But yet here it is so prominently in Star Wars that I think I've forgotten I felt that way. Um, because I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by what it means. I'm intrigued by the moral uh, implications uh, and, and the moral gray areas and the questions even Pershing's acknowledging and understands that, that some people have that point of view. But here's what I want to do. I want to create super mobs, <laughs> if you will. Super soldiers, could, you could look at it that way if it gets into the wrong hands. So I'm definitely intrigued because it ties into bigger things. Then it ties into the Palpatine of it all. Now, I don't. One, I think one of the things, I, if, if it sounds like I'm hesitant to it, uh, Joseph, it's because... I, I, I don't necessarily think all the dots connect to Exegol. And we, you and I have talked about that. I don't think I need them to. But it's very possible that they're pushing that way because we have the, the lingering question of the clones and, and 
their identities and what we do with them and what would New Republic do with that technology and exists and the idea of cloning Zillow beasts and, and, and what a power, an unlimited power. Um, it all fits and works for me in Star Wars. And I, it's fascinating that it's all kind of happening at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I really agree. I think I've always been fascinated by the clones and the Clone Wars. You know, I, I grew up thinking that the Clone Wars were a war about the ethics of cloning. <laughs> like, you know, Nate, yeah. Yeah, not a war that, that clones uh, mm-hmm. fought. So that was a, a, a fun canon surprise for old Joseph in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that the clone story, the technology of cloning is advancing on multiple fronts because I'm fascinated by the, uh, the, oh. the ethics of it. Uh, I'm fascinated by the, the pulpy story of it of it when what unnatural things is is palpatine trying to do ultimately i I also just like that it's an ad of like please if if people are enjoying this storyline enjoying the mandalorian this is an ad for bad batch right Mm -hmm. um like you can see some of what was in his ted talk in exciting thrilling stories in the animated show bad batch you know yeah Mm. um and, and then i think i'm really interested in the real slow storytelling of building back to the sequel trilogy. I don't think, I I, I don't think that we're going to have necessarily a moment where Snoke emerges, but I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people think some of the ambiguous floating, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. forms that are not quite right that we, we see some in bad batch early on when the Kaminoans are still working on a little something extra. Yeah. And yeah. when we go to the facility on Navarro and, and, we we find that they're working on a little something extra and you get these blobs that many fans think like that that's the road to Snoke. And I'd be fine with that, you know? I'd be totally fine with that, yeah. Uh, but I think the the most direct and immediate question for the Mandalorian is exactly what are Gideon's loyalties and what is he up to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why does he want to uh, create replicas that incorporate the best genetic attributes of both donors when one of the donors is one of the few force sensitive beings we can find mm-hmm. and they, it is clearly wanted for its m count yeah uh since it's midi chlorian count if we're allowed to say the, the m word out loud um joking everybody i think there's just a really interesting story to be told I, I think the threat of gideon is is being raised we have the little cannon of you know did he escape or not uh, is this larger fleet attacking bo-katan from him probably uh, are the Mandalorians uniting so they can, you know, get revenge and or, you know, save themselves from being annihilated by Gideon? You know, Gideon is, is continuing to be set up as this threat. So there's this interesting question of, it: is he a loyal foot soldier of uh, the the baby First Order that's in the unknown regions? And is he, he trying to help make, a, make Snoke happen? <laughs> mm. Or... Is he trying to do something to himself? Is he trying to build some sort of super soldier that is obedient to him and force sensitive that stuff that's both morally interesting and pulpy sci-fi fantasy fun i'm really intrigued by where's all this going see yeah no i like this because i uh, if i had to put some some credits down right now i think this is this is about gideon and and his goals and gain and gains um i'm only saying this because i saw i saw a click through an article this morning um and it was it it basically suggested oh because Star Star Wars has revealed that that Grogu plus Omega equals Snoke. Mm. Did not take that 
Is it possible? Of course. I, there's no way that that's what that episode was saying to me. <laughs> and I think, I think again, it comes that thing of um, just uh, then we're going to have to deal with that if it's not. If Gideon wants to build Gideon 2.0 and suddenly, wow. I, so it takes it just takes the discourse, I guess, use that dreaded D word uh, into uh, an area that I'm just already dreading, which is not about what's on screen. I, I'm with you, too. If that is the case, or Gideon is like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm helping build uh, the Snoke bodies, I that, that that's great, and I want to find out more about that because uh, I have because just in terms of canon, like if Gideon was left behind and he, and he wasn't part of the contingency plan, why the hell is he going to go help the ghost of Palpatine then? Yeah, if Palpatine didn't deem him worthy. I'll you know, just Ray Sloan send an email back. You know, hey, we missed you at the bus stop. Like I I don't know. <laughs> Those are fun questions. But Gideon to me with a dark saber. This is someone who. Who went uh, as a? It was an ISB agent to me. Um, maybe maybe he hung around with Partagas, but he wasn't to me. He was known. He was maybe known for being brutal. Maybe had a reputation, but he has a dark saber and he has it for himself. He mm-hmm. didn't fly out to uh, unknown regions. He didn't. He's not out there. Um, he he might end up being involved somehow. I, I'm always open to it, but I'm with you. All the stuff is intriguing because the question is, what does it mean for him right now? I, I agree, and I think we've talked about it in the past, and I have had some conjecture uh, agreeing with you that this might be more interesting if it's about Gideon, right? Mm-hmm. If, hey, he took over some research that, you know, they got they got that research going on, yeah. you know, in the unknown regions, you know, with the First Order and with Exegol and all that um, going on. Ahsoka might push into unknown regions since I don't, I don't know why, but all fans have seemed to have just uh, assumed that's where <laughs> Ezra and Thrawn yeah. are, yeah. Uh, that that's where uh, the Purgle town is. The Purgatory is, uh, mm-hmm. is somewhere in the unknown region. So Ahsoka very much might, yeah. that show might tie up those threads, but looking at the story of the Mandalorian and Moff Gideon is at right now, the, the big bad of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It seems like everything we've seen about him is, he represents this this dark side of the worst of what Mandalorians can be, where uh, where might makes right and obsessed with his power. And we know that he spent a big chunk of his imperial time putting his boot down on Mandalore, you know, being in charge there, um, and and cracking down on it when they they you know had the audacity to fight back, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it almost seems more like he is somebody who's like, maybe even I'm, maybe even he's supposed to hand over this technology to Ray Sloan, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that this is about him, that he has been wounded by people thinking they have more power than him and he's got to prove him wrong. That's what it seems like Bo-Katan's house is about. Is like, hey, yeah, okay, you were a part of arresting me. You were a part of uh, taking my, some of my ships. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to hurt you back. I'm going to prove that I'm the most powerful. And, and that that psychology seems to me of somebody of like, can can you clone a body and have me unnaturally take Grogu's abilities? Yeah. Yeah, because again, and this is just, I'm not saying this is a definitive answer. It's, it's fun canon questions, but it's like those those Tyner Scepters uh, come racing out there and, and, and we get a feeling it's from something bigger than just some random warlord, of course. And then we got the, even the mentions of Gideon and, oh, I thought he went mm-hmm. to trial. Oh, no, I thought he escaped the trial. Oh, it's just a cover. Uh, you know, I heard on the, on the on the Holonet that this is what happened um, on the dark Holonet. <laughs> Look, if, if he's arrested and he does escape or whatever, what? 
you get to get out to the unknown regions if you know about it. And if you've been working on Snoke tubes and all this stuff, like to me, logically, he would then be like, I'm out of here. Not he's stuck. He's sticking around. And it's not just because the research isn't done. It's because he wants this the dominion over this realm to me. Yeah. And that's just more It's bigger. It makes Gideon bigger than just a, a, a small piece in, in, a, in a bigger imperial cog wheel in the unknown regions. It makes it personal. It makes it that he wants to prove he is stronger than all Mandalorians and he's going to wipe every one of them off the map. Yeah. Because he wants to for himself, not because it's some great imperial strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. I, I also think, you know, I, I think we have already got a long, long episode, so we do not need to get into <laughs> super real world uh, genetic uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, morality. But I do think it is interesting that... Um, that Pershing pivots pretty quickly from uh, let's make mom hearts to I was very close to <laughs> combining yeah. genetic attributes so I could make beans be the way they should be, you know, is <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty quick leap from making mom hearts to <laughs> yep. I will make, I will make what I want to make. Um, <laughs> also on the Gideon point, I think, I think it is, you know, important that in his Ted talk, he says, my research was tested in something cruel and inhumane at the behest of a desperate individual intent on using cloning technology to secure more power for himself. Mm-hmm. That is entirely up in the air. If he's referring to Palpatine or Gideon to me. Yes. But I would think Gideon, since, you know, um, yeah. since he was directly working for Gideon, his capture was, uh, you know, from taking him from Gideon associated with the capture of Gideon. I, I, when I read it again, like, mm-hmm. it seems like we, the audience, have the knowledge that that's a good, great description of Palpatine, especially if you're watching Bad Batch. Sure. But in terms of making a public statement to the galaxy, that seems much more like he's talking about Gideon. I'm with you. I was you know, like two percent the client, ninety percent Gideon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I, look, I think you can intentionally, intentionally left left blank, so to speak, so that uh, even those in the crowd might think Palpatine. You know, uh, you know. I, I'm totally fine with that, but I'm with you on that there. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Um, let's get into Coruscant and enjoy it far more than Pershing did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got the Galaxy's Opera House, of course. I was just. Uh, that was a great moment when the, that, that opening with Din and Bo-Katan was so thrilling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, and then Mandalorian comes up, the convert, Ooh, where are we going? This is, Oh, they're, they're the credits are going to come back and <laughs> it's going to yeah. be them landing uh, right outside the, the Mandalorian cave. And like, Nope. Yeah. Horizont yeah. galaxy's opera house. Uh, did you just get uh nerd thrills yeah. at, at the initial sites? Yeah. Yeah. Nerd thrills, nerd chills, all of it there. It was just kind of, Kind of fun, a little bit of a, you know, a tip of the cat cap uh, to you, uh, prequel generation kids that um, kept the flame and love the Star Wars burning strong during those years when a lot of us were trying to tear it apart. These cool locations that it even even had, it just, when the once they went inside the stairwell, uh, it, it still, it looked as though they were like, make it as close to the blue screen of Revenge of the Sith as possible. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, this, uh, make make sure you remove Baron Papanoidia because we, we want to decide what happens to him in canon. Yeah. Uh, another great thing, we'll talk about all the Coruscant stuff, but kind of wanted to pull some of the bigger stuff. Uh, you mate, a mountain mm-hmm. in Monument Plaza it existed in Legends, I, I believe, uh, featured in the Darth Plagueis novel, mm-hmm. um, but really has a huge moment in modern canon in the the High Republic kickoff novel, mm-hmm. The Light of the Jedi, where we learn that the the Chancellor Lena So 
likes to go there and connect with it. I mm-hmm. I, I probably read about it in Darth Plagueis, but didn't yeah. remember because that Light of the Jedi moment was one of her favorites. We talked about it a bunch when we reviewed it. Extremely powerful. How did you feel about seeing this part of Coruscant that has been in various versions of canon for a long time and seeing it on screen and, and interpreting its its uh, meaning in in this story? How did you feel about all that? I absolutely loved it, and and, and to take you know to, to present the name and make sure it's cemented in canon for those who may have missed it before. Which I think Light of the Jedi might have been it, and then uh, just the the Monument Park, like you said, going back a ways to Legends. I think it's great. And all the Coruscant stuff was wonderful. We can talk about the vibes, the connections, the the similar feel to to Andor at times. Totally. Uh, whether super intentional, I don't think they were all in the same room creating the sets and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the same people might be working on it, so I can see the connections. All that was great, but particularly that one, it was just fun to see it, um, see it fully realized. I think we've seen it. What Clone Wars now, right? Or, or maybe Bad Batch? Where do we see it? So, Monument Plaza. Yeah, we saw it somewhere else recently. I thought. Um, um, I'm not sure if we've seen Monument Plaza on screen. Um, I will, I will Google as we chat, Google as we ramble. Um, but just, I, I really enjoyed this. And then to make it such a, you know, dare I say touristy location, the heart of this, uh, this, uh, planet where things kind of seem normal. And, uh, at this point in this plaza, but also the deep meaning behind it and him wanting to connect. It was, it was just, it was a fun scene. I, I everything of course, it was great for me. And I love that it was course and it wasn't housing and prime. Like a lot of people thought, and I could understand why. And, but it was course and I love spending, spending my day there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does look like it's listed as having appeared in Forces of Destiny, the Padawan Path, and in the Clone Wars episode, Duchess of Mandalore. Okay. Um, so so Monument Plaza apparently has been on screen, uh, but certainly uh, uh, the the mountain and highlighting the mountain. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't know, it's just, you know, you, you go back to the whole history of Coruscant from reading about it in books. Uh, I've told the story many times of one of my first interactions with somebody who's now been a, a friend for decades was correcting me on the pronunciation <laughs> of Coruscant <laughs> in a comedy sketch. Uh, a, a beloved story, a beloved friend. Um, then to seeing it and, and having the jokes uh, 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 about, you know, Mr. Exposition <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. of Rick Ollier going, the, the whole planet's one big city. To see a little bit more this emotional side of you know, there there is a connection to nature, but there is a connection to technology, and there's this relationship between them, and what does it represent, and the power of seeing this this public square that honestly, to me, like it was like a carnival. It was it was like Disneyland Main Street. It had a really, it looked really pleasant and wonderful, and and Pershing couldn't enjoy it because of everything going on with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it looked beautiful, and it looked like this weird bittersweet of like, remember underneath this all there was something organic once yeah how does that make you feel you know yeah I, I think i'm i'm a city person but you know i i i'm so grateful i live within walking distance of griffith park because i still want to be connected to nature you know oh, and imagine if all the nature in the world was like it's this one thing you can look at but not touch yeah yeah no absolutely i thought it was um it was just great, man. I, yeah, even just, yeah, that first shot, you know, because I'm pumping my fist, yelling Star Wars at the opening sequence. And then, you know, we go to Galaxy's Opera House. I, I, I just went, oh, here we go. I did not know what was coming. <laughs> did not know it was a Radiohead song coming. But I just was so excited. It was a great, it was a great moment as a Star Wars nerd. Yeah. Speaking of songs, great transition. Um, there is this light background, Disneyland Main Street, mm-hmm. kind of song you'd hear on riding a horsey on an actual carousel. Uh, but it is the March of the Resistance uh, from the sequel trilogy. Yes, it is. Uh, 
So how this has now happened uh, several times in Star Wars where uh, there's been this game of non-diegetic diegetic that the music we hear is the Imperial March that tells us the audience that the, the this fist of tyranny is coming down in a different uh, key. Is there, you know, propaganda recruitment song? So we even <laughs> talked in the first episode of of this season of Mandalorian, there's some diegetic versus non-diegetic games where we hear a sound and assume it's the soundtrack and then realize, no, that there, there is actually a Renfest band <laughs> in the courtyard of Navarro City. Yeah. Where are you at with that? How do you feel about it? What meaning do you assign to it? Where'd you go? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't, the, I, I didn't go too deep in the meaning because I was just excited to hear it because I, I think the first view and I went like, did I, did I, did I? Second view and I made sure to, to clue in and I just love that. That's actually one of my, my favorite pieces of Star Wars music. I, I, I found myself humming that one a lot more than I, I, I even know myself. So I love it. I also love that it kind of can connect to what's coming and maybe what's uh, the vibe of the New Republic. And even though the New Republic and Resistance are maybe at odds at times, this we know uh, how it goes on. I don't know. It just spoke to me a little bit about the spirit, the spirit of, uh, of, of, of the government in the world at this time. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that idea of like, this is our spirit. You know, we will will keep marching mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. T- toward progress. It's uh, we, the, the, the music to me almost kind of like stumbles and then readvances. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what I love about it of like the odds are against us, but we are pushing forward. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that that would be sort of a, a musical ethos of the New Republic, uh, but it falters, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, and, it, and it does take the resistance to kind of uh, uh, take up that banner. I also feel like um, the same way this episode was not just a story about Pershing. It's not just there for for plot mechanics. It's to make this statement of we're we're tackling this whole era. So to have something from explicitly from the sequel trilogy is saying like we're not. I, I'm not on board with it. They're going to fix the sequel trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's more like the Clone Wars animated series. I, I don't think the, the point of the Clone Wars am, animated series from George Lucas was to fix the prequels. Mm-hmm. But by building out lots of backstory, it enhances the prequels for lots of people. Yeah. And I think that there's a little bit of a statement of like, yep, some of the storytelling we're doing here might enhance the sequel trilogy for you. It might answer some questions. Uh, I'm not on board again with the fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that said, it feels like a real another planting the flag moment. Uh, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I love in that way, and I, it's easy to devolve into it into it being a battle, and those who hate it, those who love it. Yeah, it's Star Wars, man, and all that's part of it. It's all this giant, wonderful tapestry, and we should the creator should be allowed to draw upon it, and and um, and hopefully it has that effect, like that you're saying. You know, like I said, my my prequel journey includes me humming along to Padme's ruminations when I thought I hated it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's, that's just the magic of, of Star Wars. If you let it in, I, I think I even experienced it in this episode with, with Dr. What I'm calling Dr. Baby Fish Mouth, a when Harry Sally reference. Um, I went from, what are you, what the effort you, what are your mud scuffers doing <laughs> to this morning? I was feeding my dogs talking in his voice. Like it, it just, sometimes you spend some time, some stuff where you hear it, it hits you and, and it doesn't have to be a big correction. I think just exactly what you're saying. It just adds to the tapestry and you get to appreciate it more. I agree with you. And, and, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of morality to be discussed there, but I was like, man, 
when I'm done recording, I want to be attached to a machine that'll let me see some pleasant colors. <laughs> see some pleasant colors. Um, so there's a lot of other uh, just kind of checklist stuff that's really great. Um, it seems I know Favreau has talked about we want to make a hat. Ha- we want to have something uh, for all Star Wars fans so everyone feels welcome. And, and I think there's a real effort to uh, fill fill the beats with things from lots of different places. But there was just a that that taxi droid was basically turning around and going, "Have you read Legends?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Sky Botanical Gardens is is was introduced uh, in the Kevin J. Anderson novel Jedi Search. Uh, mm-hmm. The um, Mises blossoms uh, at the gardens are a Kashyyyk plant uh, from the video game Star Wars Galaxies. The uh, the Galactic Museum is uh, from Legends and modern canon comics. The, the Holographic Museum of Extinct Animals is also from a Kevin J. Anderson book, Dark Apprentice. So it was just a, that you didn't need to know any of that to know that, hey, Coruscant's a big, vibrant, interesting place. And for some reason, Pershing can't enjoy any of it. That's the mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But if you want to nerd out, you get to nerd out and, and be welcomed. How do you feel about that? Uh, how do I feel? I, I, I loved it all. I love this world. I love that I can draw upon it. It's it's a tip of the cap to Legends fans. Tip of the cap to 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 Canon fan like me. It, it it's um it's it's just all fun. It's it's what I'd want. And I think sometimes um, Star Wars takes it on the chin of oh another reference. Oh, is you know trivia is associated so much with Star Wars even more than I think other properties. And uh, it should it should it's it's this wonderful playground. Play with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and I think that was a part of the joy and the fun of, of Coruscant was diving deep into the culture mm-hmm. and day-to-day life. And, and I think that is the part that do, is similar to Andor of like, it, Star Wars is sometimes mythic and sometimes, you know, uh, to sort of paraphrase everything everywhere all at once, uh, sometimes life is beautiful <laughs> when it's about taxes and laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, speaking of which, Another thing that was here is Days of the Week, uh, which is uh, <laughs> a thing from reference books. Maybe, maybe it's other places in Legends, but um, uh, the the kind but but uh, frustrated office space boss <laughs> in Pershing's data pits uh, it says Happy Bendu Day. Bendu Day is basically Friday. Bendu obviously uh, has some connotations in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, the joke on the train of a. Uh, uh, Tongs days, am I right? Tongs days is basically Wednesday. Yeah. Did this stuff land for you, or 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 did that it did not not sit well with you of uh, the space days of the week? Oh, I don't know. It didn't. Uh, I've been answering a lot of surveys lately. It neither affected me uh, positively or negatively. Uh, it was just fun. It, it, it builds it out there. I enjoy. I enjoyed the joy. The Tongs Day joke and beat was was great. I thought that was that was wonderful. So no, I, I no problem. With it. I, I um, yeah, no, no. I was gonna yeah. Uh, the the I, I misread the or misheard the uh, first one when I saw it. I thought it was he was talking about the bins. <laughs> like <laughs> it's bin day. Like you got a bunch of bins to go through. I was like, oh, that's that's depressing. Yeah, like, yeah. Bin days. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's funny. Um, yeah. So then, uh, lots of other things that are there that are building on the story, the lore. The you know the there is early versions of the amnesty program trying to build it in the the trilogy of books alphabet squadron uh the controversial decision to decommission the alliance fleet is discussed in i believe bloodline i believe it's they're already talking about it in um in uh, princess and the scoundrel i believe mm-hmm. but it, it's all over the the publishing right yeah. um even uh, the connection to 
the direct connection to Andor where Cyril Karn gets this kind of soul-crushing job in these data pits, right? Mm-hmm. That there was a power that like, okay, well, it, 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 that needs to be done. Is There's a massive galaxy to, you know, mm-hmm. to figure everything out. But it, it really did look like they put some plants in that office. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, it was still a soul-crushing data pit. How did yeah. you feel about that? Uh, that absolutely works as someone who refuses to go into offices again or meet in person. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cyril Karn, that's the only time I felt, uh, you know, felt connected with Cyril Karn and, uh, you know, Dr. Pershing here. Um, yeah, it just works for works for uh, that big city course in five. Yeah, absolutely. And in more connections and more the New Republic's trying. Um, mm-hmm. Last thing I really wrote down is uh, that uh, the Republic, New Republic police ship that catches Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Pershing uh, did look a lot like an Imperial gunship in the shadowy shots that I saw. Did did you uh, feel that? Did you it, like that? Yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it caught that vibe. It almost had a little bit of the, the Canto bite uh, thing, but it's clearly more more covered and everything. But yeah, yeah, uh, like that uh, absolutely. Yeah, in in the police uniforms, they they have a language with uh, the Republic uh, or the Rebellion troopers with the Canto Bite police, even with uh, the cloud car pilots. Of like, yeah, this is a little bit of what authority dresses like in the galaxy, and it's and it's horrible. <laughs> I have a note. You, I'm going to have to talk about it now. I have a note in it, like anything else we want to touch upon it. Like, like the New Republic has got to be- get a better designer. <laughs> white boots the blue uh i used to get in this fight with my my superiors my old job when they're trying to dress uh public safety officers do not put anything on them that looks like a, a dumb character in a movie like what are you doing god we used to have these beautiful gray over black uniforms like oh my god this green gray and they replaced it with the, the that cyan baby powder blue and i'm like you can't do that you're setting us up for failure here we walk around looking like jokes from a kevin smith movie stop it and, and uh, every everyone from from bender bendu guy to to the, the coppers and like you all dress horrible that but this is not a nitpick of the show this is an in-world thing where i'm like someone needs to unfortunately maybe take some notes from palpatine like just you gotta go better than this and he got the dumb hats Oh, it's so funny. I love it. Like I said, this is all done with spirit. Yeah. It, it feels to me like yet another high level New Republic compromise of, of somebody's like, oh, we need all of these systems. We can't be so loosey goosey. We need data mm-hmm. entry workers. We need cops. We need security yeah. uh, on trains. We can have as many droids as we can afford, but we need that. And somebody's like, oh, it's, it's mm-hmm. so militant. Can they at least wear a pleasing blue? <laughs> <laughs> can they at least have a light gentle color can they yeah. can they be like uh dressed like what if what if the sky was made of candy they'll be yeah. dressed like that yeah yeah oh, yeah <laughs> a good compromise I, I lied i had one other canon thing because it cracked me up of what what din is super knowledgeable about in the galaxy i, I love that like, he was such a star wars nerd when he was fighting those tie interceptors and like interceptors are a lot tougher than tie fighters and like mm-hmm. Uh, Din apparently has played Rogue Squadron. He hasn't watched uh, Clone Wars, but he's played Rogue Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah, I just love the Tider Scepters being there. It's a return of the Jedi oh. fan. Yeah, I just love any time. And I just, yeah. Uh, there's too many of them. We got the shot. It was, it was a great little moment, too. Interceptors, bombers, uh, fighting a, a gauntlet fighter, which was one, always one of my favorite animated ships in an N1. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. That, w- that was amazing. That was, uh, you know, yeah. uh, that, that was Paradise City. And then we uh, 
segue to patience. Anyway, um, let's talk action. Uh, you ready for some action? Yes, absolutely. Uh, what were your, what were some of your your favorite moments? Obviously, there's a big explosion of action at the beginning, and then a little lighter on the action as we went into the sort of uh, indie drama of Persia. yeah, yeah. I, I focused on on the beginning for sure. I'll start with this: how how fast Din got into the N1 cockpit with that armor. How tiny that cockpit is! I'm, that's one of the most impressive action, you know, feats I've ever seen. He just slides in. I can't even get into this recording chair without knocking something over. So that was that's where I'll start with the action. <laughs> that was pretty great. I think everything about Din getting into the N one, I just loved. Uh, Bo Katan saying, "I'm not going to be able to slow down." He'd be like, "I can do it." The 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 dropout, the buzzing by the ties, the landing on the platform, but having that forward skid. Oh, man, that was just some great chef's kiss Star Wars action. I loved it. Yeah, no, the great shot of, of Din as he bolts from the castle. And the, the yeah, Everything you're saying is is, is right on there. Uh, the N, N, N1's uh, engines off fall, every little every little detail. It was, it was one of the best um, sequences and looks good. And this is where the technology has definitely improved. You and I talked about it. I, I had some issues with how some of the ships looked in, in season one. Issues meaning like, eh, you know, I know, they're getting there. But it was, uh, that's the point. They're getting there. Season mm-hmm. one at the beginning. Um, it's like going back to season one of Clone Wars and going, it looks like the Dire Straits video, Money for Nothing. But now <laughs> it, it's a beautiful piece of art. Um, so I love the journey there. I really, really want the voice actors of the Clone Wars <laughs> to do a cover of Money for Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And watch for free Anakin. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The, the N1 climbing into that uh, beautiful blue-white sky, into a sky that looked like New Republic police. (laughs) (laughs) The N1 climbing and falling, uh, God, it was beautiful. Um, And and Bo-Katan's amazing gauntlet wing turn. Um, I've lost, anyway, I was going to say a thing, but I can't remember what part of Bad Batch has come out, so I'm not going to say anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the, the... killing the engine and it, and it looked like killing the gravity and then using actual, you know, air pressure by mm-hmm. flipping up the, the one gauntlet wing. I didn't even know that they, the wings could move independently. That mm-hmm. move was so cool. And then R5 D4 just agony throughout the entire action sequence and floating. Mm-hmm. Oh, beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that was the moment where I, not loudly, um, but, I literally mumbled the word Star Wars with an exclamation point as if I just finished some cartwheel and went, yeah, on that moment. Yeah, it, it was just great, classic. There's character stuff in it, but it's just classic, you know, whiz-bang space adventure makes me want to get in a car and drive fast, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, not in Which the I didn't do. <laughs> I drove very slowly and very carefully for well, uh, two hours. Yeah, we'll get you uh, playing the like, Gran Turismo on the PlayStation there. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, there, there definitely was some tension moments, some action moments in uh, Pershing's drama. Mm-hmm. The one that really cracked me up is, you know, Pershing making this kind of ex- exhilarating but also fearful decision to 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 leap over this chasm of this moving train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that security droid just hitting a button and extending the the connection between the trains. That I thought that was great. Yeah, I've, those droids, man, they didn't didn't do their job. I was a little disappointed in them. <laughs> this is a traumatic episode for somebody who has a lot of experience in security like <laughs> yeah. you do. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I'm joking. I'm joking. I loved it. I love there's even just the action of the the subway ride, getting on the tube there, the, the movement when the, when it ride and they're both shaking in their seats when it starts. I thought it was a great little detail. Absolutely great. Yeah. Did you have any other action moments before we move on to comedy and whimsy? No, really. You know, uh, like I said, you hit on the big one I wanted to talk about was Bo-Katan's one wing flip-a-doo and uh, you did. And there we go. Star Wars. Let's mm-hmm. talk about comedy and whimsy. Uh, I wrote down a surprising amount because there's a lot of good dark humor in this to me. So what do you got? Uh, Some of the beats we talked about, Tons Day really worked for me. Uh, Whimsy, Grogu holding his hand on Din, uh, you know, post water is just kind of cute. This is where I was going to initially talk about New Republic outfits, but we got to that there. Here's, I'll start. I I didn't, I probably didn't write down as much as you, but uh, this is, I put it on unintentional comedy. Because it's a kind of deep moment. But when the episode starts, we're sitting there. And then uh, Din coughs uh, himself awake and goes, I am redeemed. It was so funny to me. <laughs> it was not like, I want to be like, really? Do you th- what? How do you know? <laughs> like, what do you, it just, it was, uh, it was totally unintentional comedy wise. And uh, I, I kept, even on second view, and I was like, no, nope, I, I do find that funny. I'm, I'm holding to that. It was, I mean, he did, he did bathe really deeply (laughs) i think there's some comedy to that like uh, i i'm glad that they clarified that um that there the the bombings from the purge probably opened that up um Mm. one of one of our listeners uh uh, responded to our episode last week saying hey i bet i I bet there's a possibility that the empire's bombing did that so uh kudos to that uh listener who is spot on um yeah but but there's still there's still comedy in it you know that Mm. he's so reverent at the end of Minds of Mandalore, and he's saying the words, and it's a it, it's a real it's a depth moment, but it is a little bit of comedy, right? It, it's mm. it's really got the comedy of like you know, uh, not to be cruel, but like somebody tripping when they're walking up the the, the steps for their wedding, of like you're in this regal important moment, and then mm. humanity <laughs> strikes. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I think it's it's to me it's the same comedy of that of like it, you know it's like <laughs> it's like watching somebody like you know trip and fall and bang their head and say every made up star Wars swear word and then standing up and going, I did it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I want to yeah. talk about, I, I actually want to go back. Um, Cause we, we talked a lot, lot last week about the symbolism of Din walking into the water, not really understanding the lay of the land and, and, and goes underneath. You need Bo-Katan there to say all this kind of the big thematic stuff. And then I, I love the answer. I think it's a great, great answer. I saw some clips this week of, of people, uh, mocking that moment, uh, Din fallen, maybe think it's the best scar. Um, and I just like the truth of what it was. What you and I were talking about, discussing thematically, but just like, yeah, he he fell. He didn't know that that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and it wasn't uh, his mistake. It wasn't the best scar being heavy. I just like that moment. I loved the clarification. Yeah, I love the clarification. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I don't think it changes my practical analysis of mm-hmm. my practical question. Like it didn't seem like Din knew. It didn't seem like Din was like, ha ha, he's going to fall. Right. So yeah. uh, it does make a lot of sense to me, but it does still feel like it's an image of what Din is wrestling with of. He is so certain on his path and he is marching forward yeah. so quickly. W- what happens when you're so sure of your path and marching forward so reverently, yeah. um, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, I didn't know it was that deep. <laughs> Yeah. Like you also don't know the children of the watcher that deep. I don't quite think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, so for comedy moments, um, I thought it was a deeply meaningful moment. It was certainly deeply meaningful between Din and Bo when Bo was like, I'd invite you over to for a feast, but you're not going to take that off. And he's like, this is the way. And she kind of mm. 
begrudgingly says, this is the way back. And then Grogu babbles uh, in a slightly rhythmic way. Like, and it really feels to me like uh, Grogu understands everything that's going on around him yeah, yeah. Uh, and wants to join in, but doesn't have the verbal skills yet. Mm-hmm. And the the reason that I really think that, and the reason I wrote it down for comedy and whimsy is Din and Bo do absolute comedy looks at him. They both turn and look at him and then turn and look at each other. And if they hadn't been attacked by tie interceptors, the next beat was going to be, did the kid just say this is the way? Like they were about to have that conversation. It really was. We're, we're, we're getting dangerously close. We got Pelimoto just straight up asking, is, is he spoken yet? <laughs> is he spoken yet? Um, so yeah, absolutely. We're getting there. Yeah. Oh man, we're gonna have to get back into the uh, the the great discussion of the the first word. Yeah. Uh, uh, the we talked about the line, but the the absolute just uh, garbage rich person uh, <laughs> mood of the aristocrat going. Yeah. You know, I was almost drafted. <laughs> Imagine me serving. We've never met, but let me make this all about me and what is obvious about me. <laughs> uh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I also liked uh, it, it made the point of uh, Pershing being uncomfortable with Coruscant in every way, but I love the taxi droid looking the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was a droid. Yeah, it was a drama beat. But uh, yes, no, I, I love that droid. That droid. Was yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great stuff. It, uh, other comedy beats for you? Uh, not a lot. I got to tell you, I, uh, I, 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 no, I didn't laugh as much as <laughs> you. Do not laugh as much. Um, uh, I, I wrote a lot of Grogu. They're, the bow, when they get to the cave, there's a lot of great bow and Grogu comedy. Uh, when they get to, and she kind of looks at the cave, then Grogu, and he looks at her. I'm almost kind of like, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. We'll see how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really loved, it was another point of sort of mechanization. I, I, it, I loved the uh, mountain protection droid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was great to have, uh, Pershing want to feel alive is great to have that moment of connection and manipulation from mm-hmm. uh, from Kane. Um, but as it, somebody who has worked in a museum, um, my wife uh, has uh, worked in many uh, historical spaces where you do have to be careful about you how you handle them. Like you, mm-hmm. you really kind of can't have everybody touch it or everybody try to chip a part of it off for their own, you know, uh, right. keepsake to have that automated like uh, there are times in my life uh, mm-hmm. where everyone around me would be like oh i would pay a million dollars for a droid that could swoop in when that kid is about to smash <laughs> yeah. that thing in the museum and say please refrain from physical contact <laughs> with you mate you mate uh, and then picking up the littering too and and don't let her yeah 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 love it yeah yeah and the tech the technician cracked me up the the, the moncala uh, technician what was your name for him uh, Dr. Baby Fishmouth in the end is the name I've decided. Um, no, here, here's what, here's, so here's the journey. I, I, I don't know how much I enjoy that they, you know, this goes even to Book of Boba Fett. You got some great scenes around a table and you got a, a mask that it's struggling to maybe work for me. And I don't want it CGI. I don't want anything. I, I like the choice to do it. I like the creatures. Uh, I felt the lack of, of aliens in Andor other than when they mm-hmm. should do it for you and everything. So I want to be clear about that. I just think initially some like uh, the one at the opera house was great. And then you got this, you got a pretty potentially serious scene 
and he's <laughs> his torture mask comes out, and then it's like, well, how do you feel about this? I, and and I just so my initial it's again they talk about the gear shift or the song changes. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. and then he can't even move his hands because he's got this outfit on. So that's my starting point. If it was 2015, I'd end there. Um, yeah. But. I like that it's Star Wars. I like that it's weird. I like that it's Volpe. All those things we talk about. And then you just kind of, it's like me. I just did the short on the puffer. I used to hate the puffer pigs. Then I get a toy and I squeeze it. And it makes me laugh. Uh, I, I've, it's almost like I've squeezed this character already. Uh, it just, it was, it, it felt right on, on not just second viewing, but the more I thought about it. I just think sometimes I have, you know, it's easier to poke at it when it, uh, you got pirates and you can tell they're, it's a latex mask or something like that. And it sounds like I'm criticizing the design or anything. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Beautiful stuff. It occasionally rubs me uh, a little bit the wrong way where I'm like, eh, the mouse's not even moving. Like, it's just like, what are we doing? Um, but it's Star Wars, man. And, and I am here for that weirdness. I'm here for the awkwardness. And uh, it ends up being a great moment. It ends up being effective for me. So I just want to be honest about that. You know, that's, it's a journey I go on. And, yeah, you know, and, and, and sometimes I think it's important to keep working through. Yeah, no, I, I butt up against it every once in a while when it is the, the some of the weird, wild, whimsical part of Star Wars butting up against something uh, dead serious. Mm -hmm. um, and I, but I but I also just love that Star Wars is committed of like we decided Rodian fingers are uh, absolutely not practical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> weird, floppy things that yeah. are too long and and they always will be. And then I, I cracked up so much in this. A uh, really horrific scene. Uh, the the mouse movement didn't bother me at all. I thought I thought his mask movement matched mm -hmm. just fine. But it was the 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 lack of practicality with his hands. At one point, he's holding both his hands out away from him, uh, like he's got uh, Cheetos fingers and can't touch his phone. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and that cracked me up. But his general attitude, right? Mm. Going along with that good intentions theme, I I think that he believed that this awful device that he had taken something awful changed it rebirthed it given it new life and it was truly helping people who who couldn't get past the trauma of being in the empire who wanted to change but they were too indoctrinated and couldn't and his pride when he says you'll see some pleasant colors here light buzzing and experience a great sense of relief in no time at all mm -hmm. like that that dopey voice uh, like almost like, is, is this what Akbar sounded like during puberty <laughs> voice? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, to me, it really supported that mm -hmm. we, the audience can see that this is maybe a failing mm -hmm. that they didn't burn every one of these, uh, machines. Yeah. But this technician believes in it. Oh, totally. Baby fish mouth is right there for the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so that's it for, for comedy and whimsy. Uh, this is a supersized episode to match a longer episode of The Mandalorian. But is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I ranted about outfits. I ranted about uh, fish mouths. Um, I sound like I'm a grumpy Star Wars fan. I'm not. I really love everything in it. This is a, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the final thing for me that I want to be sure to touch on is... Um, <laughs> The plot. Um, mm -hmm. you, you and I get really invested in discussing the ideas in the world building and the themes. Because uh, I think an episode like this, mm -hmm. that is the point. And, and the reason that I want to bring up the plot is on, on a mechanical level, huge forward plot movement in a short amount of time with Din and Bo, right? Mm -hmm. Her home is destroyed. He is redeemed. She joins... Uh, at least for now, the children of the watch. Huge, major plot movement. 
this entire long indie drama with Pershing in terms of plot mechanics, mm-hmm. we learned that Kane, working for somebody, needed Pershing's knowledge to get the right equipment to continue the cloning technology, cloning experiments without him. Yeah. In terms of plot, that's it, right? Yeah. Which I can see people having a criticism of, but I wanted to bring up to say, you know, hey, we see the plot. (laughs) We know, you know, why the gears are moving. But the fact that the episode spends so much time to get to this, it's not in a breakneck speed. That, that, that could, if, if that was, if that was all that mattered, that could have been a five minute scene. Right. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. says that what matters to the creators is everything we're talking about is questioning mm-hmm. the new Republic is going on a deep dive of, of, of Pershing's soul mm-hmm. and, and seeing what happens when you, want to change but a part of you doesn't want to and you lie to yourself and you're open to manipulation like all these ideas that we're talking about are clearly the point because if the point was just a plot it didn't need to be that long and and again i can see some people saying yep and that's why i didn't like it and fair Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. but i'm just making the argument for an engage with what you're presented with absolutely no this uh, is I, yeah, I, I felt the jerk of being pulled away from the Star Wars to the indie drama that is more about themes and, and world building. But I also really enjoyed the themes and world building because it was, to me, the point. Yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm with you on that. Again, I'm making the reference to the song change and everything. I, I think there's some some choices that this show continues to make that I, I'm proud that, you know, they make them and 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 they know what they want to do. It, it doesn't mean every beat is for me in, in this episode. Uh I don't know. This episode is, is one that I, I we'll see how much I revisit it. But also this, um, I think this, this episode is going to matter a lot more. Mm-hmm. See, it really strikes end. me. Yeah. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Season's going to end. And you're going to look back at this one and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why I like it. And it's just, it is what it is. You know, and again, a lot of that's when you, you and I talk about engaging with what's presented to, but a lot of that is, is battling our own expectations that pop up when you least expect it and, and sitting down at 1150 to, to get ready for an epic episode of, of Mando, that means something in my mind. And when it's different, it's going to present a challenge and you got to just work through that. Yeah. And I think for myself, I'm going to be like, this, this is the Mando verse. It is going to take left turns on you. And I'm going to try to engage with that as much mm-hmm. as I like engaging with the themes and, and be ready for the, not, mm-hmm. this is what I want to happen. You know, this is the shot from the trailer that I'm, that I'm excited for. When's it coming? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but also being willing to be like, but you might get a surprise. We might get an entire Pelimoto episode and I will engage with that and see what's there. Because I so agree with you. My first interaction was like, this emotionally, this is kind of a hard episode, right? Yeah. It's, there are funny moments, but it's, it's kind of hellish what, what Pershing is going through and, and what mm-hmm. happens to him, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, so I had to like, how much am I going to enjoy rewatching this one? Yeah, but I so agree with you. They they are planting seeds, and it's going to be fun to come back and go. Hey, this is where that idea started. This is where that idea started. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Good trace a lot of things back. Yeah. Uh, any predictions or hopes for next week? After talking about managing our expectations, let's Uh-oh. have some expectations. No, uh, man. I Moff Gideon emerges with a, a, a blueprints for Palpatine two point and <laughs> George both there and. Uh yeah, talent cards driving a ship. Yeah, it's all there. It's all it's all in play. It's all in play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm still really uh 
interested in seeing how how the Mandalorian story is going to grow if the Gorian Shard pirates attack Navarro City and and Din gets to tell Mandalorians what to do because he has the dark saber. I, I that I'm very intrigued by. I'm intrigued by Grogu, mm-hmm. the how and why of Grogu perhaps confronting his Order sixty six memories. Um, I'm I'm curious whether the Pershing is dead or just having this part of his memory erased so he doesn't know what he did uh, mm-hmm. or that he was manip- manipulated, if this yeah. is death or just erasure. Um, mm-hmm. And then big picture thing for me and, and final thing is I do like the amount of work that this episode did to set Moff Gideon up as as the ongoing threat. And it does feel to me like maybe the season is building to Gideon versus the children of the watch Gideon wanting to wipe Mandalorians out Mm -hmm. once and for all and all these Mandalorians who are so wounded so traumatized by not being strong enough to stop him before needing to stop him to prove that Mandalore can be whole again Mm, yeah yes I yes yeah my vote for Gideon is the bad not anyone in a test tube <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, we try to wrap up with a fun question. What action figure or merch would you like inspired by this episode? I definitely want Imperial Travel Cakes. Um, that seems like something that's right up my alley. Uh, someone who eats gas station sandwich food and people think I'm joking, but really I actually sometimes go seek it out. Uh, yes, give me the horrible kind of bland tasting things that you love. I'm there for it. Yeah, give me the travel biscuits. There's been some times in my life uh, I relate to that where like, hey, I, I could have this fancy meal or I could have a tombstone pepperoni frozen pizza at 2 a.m. Not a, not technically is good, but it's my comfort food. And I, I love yes. the travel biscuit stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, Ken, I'm sorry to do this to you. The mm-hmm. other merch I want is a collection, a multi-pack of the friendly faces of the new republic <laughs> okay yeah i'll take that oh, all in blue and white i want uh the the uh boss guy the the middle management guy mm-hmm. in the data pit i want there's a rodian cop in the background yes, yes, uh, yes. uh, kind of short rodian i want that you know republic new republic cop in blue and white i definitely need mm-hmm. uh the mon calamari technician uh absolutely needed a multi-pack of them all yeah yeah love that love that love that yeah. all right very big episode uh thank you everyone who is excited to dive deep we fell almost to the bottom of the living waters and we're going to need to be rescued by bo katan ken where can people find us? hey thanks for listening everybody i know we went long but also this is what we do so we're glad to have you here for the deep dives we're on twitter at force center pod instagram and facebook as well as force center podcast uh you can also find us on youtube hey subscribe over there for more live streams q a's uh we got short essays all those things over there and rebroadcast of the podcast there and uh you can uh, get merch at tpublic.com so that's user slash four center don't forget you can also f- uh, find the podcast in a lot of different spots including google podcasts uh tune in uh stitcher all the ones i don't say a lot they're there as well and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash uh you can also follow me at catnapsock or go to my website catnapsock.com got things like the blathering a podcast i do uh we also have uh, pop rocket radio if you want to hear me do those song transitions <laughs> which sometimes i have to get a little grumpy with my live requests i'll be doing some rock and someone's like hey can you play a ballad it doesn't work that way you gotta figure it out <laughs> so uh there you go get the mood follow over there joseph where can they find follow you uh, you can find me 
sleeping. Uh, I I have a, a fun uh, role playing game. I'm doing some with friends, and then I'm gonna sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but before I go to sleep, I will tweet about it. So you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Grimshaw, Twitter, Mastodon, Instagram in particular. If you want to check out uh, some comedy bits and some short films, you can go to my YouTube channel, uh, Joseph Grimshaw. And of course, if you're interested and want to check it out, uh, go see uh, patreon.com slash center and see if that is for you. But for now, mm-hmm. for myself, for Ken, for blue and white outfits across the galaxy, this has been The Mandalorian Report. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.